It's the Benz Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Copy, Sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea We are go sippy, yo Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know Collect you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind There's a place where it rains, it pours while we enjoy the beaming sun. There's a land where the food is bland, the only flavor they know is salt, even though they sailed far and wide to take all that we had they took coffee and sugar and jewels so precious but failed to take some seasoning feed the people in Britain feed the people who stole our land feed the people that us dry they called us savages but they're the ones who eat bland food there are people in your shattered land who deprive children from being fed there are folks in your stormy owl who live off stolen government funds but it's us that you call corrupt and need your saving grace but at least when we go home to eat it's not shit on our
a masterpiece, a fucking masterpiece. That's not me, FYI. Before, because some of you might start typing before getting to the end of that song and posting it on Twitter. That's not me. That is the incredible Hannah. Woo! Let me just. That is a bang girl. If we're talking about bang girls, that is a bang girl. Yeah. What do the people them call it in France? Le bang girl. Yeah, that is a banger. Are you nuts? So Hannah sent that in with a letter. Before I even introduce myself, no, we have to big up a Hannah. Like, like usually I'll do this and share your magnificence, but I feel like that needed to be the intro for today's show. Nothing to do with me, but all to do with Hannah. So it says here, hello, Kelechi. I hope you're well and having a good start to the year. Firstly, I want to thank you so much for the space you create each week with the podcast. It has shaped elements of my identity today, and I'm glad to have been able to experience it weekly since I was 19. Woo! I decided to go back and listen to the first few episodes out of curiosity between Christmas and New Year's and ended up listening to the episode where you call out Band-Aid for that raggedy, do they know it's Christmas non-entity of a song. (laughs) The episode must have been recorded in 2018. So before I started listening to the podcast, but it reminded me of a song I wrote in my final year at drama school in 2021 called Feed the British. It's a response to all of the silly charity songs rich white people make thinking they're doing something great. Anyways, I thought you'd enjoy the song. So I've attached it to the email. Have an amazing weekend and I'm looking forward to the live show in April. Best wishes. Hannah, big up yourself, Hannah. You didn't put your handle. You didn't put your handle, but I think that we have a GoFundMe. Let me just check that it's active. Active, active. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a GoFundMe here. Oh, you've disabled the GoFundMe. That was like, was it five months ago? Oh, Hannah. I need to like message you and be like, what, what's your handle? Because the people then will want to know. Um, I think, yeah. Do you want your full, maybe they can find, no, I'll just say Hannah. Cause I don't know if you want everyone to have your full government. I don't know if you have it everywhere. You haven't put it here, but I will find your handle before this episode comes out and I will add it to this, the show notes. If I can, I'll double check this, but, Hannah, that's an incredible song. Like the the musical composition, the key change near the end when you were giving us, when you were really giving us and you were like, feed the the people. Feed you. Like you lot, your people, them are starving, but you're busy. You're busy dropping, helping to drop bombs on Palestinians. That's where we found you. Raggedy bitches everywhere. My God. Anyway. Let's not waste any more time with me harping on about just how wonderful Hannah is because I can literally sit here and continue to talk, okay? But thank you so much, Hannah. A million slaps on your chest. That is an incredible song. I think it needs to chart. I think that we need it. We need it. If I ever decide to do a charity show or not a charity show, a variety show, please. You could be one of my performers if you're down. The live show in April, if you want to perform this to the live audience, let me know how we can make that happen because I feel like we need it. I see plenty of hands swaying for us like singing along. 
feed the people. I just want us to just, you know, just sway, just sway with you because you were giving us runs. You were giving us vocal rangée. Um, but yes, with all of that being said, my name is Kelechi Okafor and you are listening to SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, suck your mum. And honestly, this is the penultimate episode. We almost didn't have an episode, but I had so many juicy bits come through that I decided to record. What I was actually going to do, I wasn't going to record anything. I just didn't want to come into the office. I didn't want to do anything. Not for any particular reason. I just didn't want to. I don't know. I just get these mad dips sometimes. Like, um, you know, the tickets went out for the live show. If you haven't got your tickets yet, there are a few left. Um, most are gone. So big up yourselves, everybody that managed to get their ticket for the live show on Saturday, 13th of April at Conway Hall. My apologies because I dropped the link um, and announced that it would go live, what, January 19th at 11, 11 a.m. But the link that I put in my bio for, on Linktree on Instagram wasn't working. That was like the back end. It was showing you the, it would have taken you to the back end of my website, which obviously we don't want it to do that. So it would just say like, oh, you need a password. And I was doing a shoot at the time that it went live. So it's only after I came off the shoot that I was like, oh my God, saw the comments like I can't get on. But obviously there were those of you who are seasoned, unlike British food. Uh, there are those of you who are seasoned professionalists, um, also known as professionals, um, who have been with me for a long time. So you were like, I don't need no fucking link. I'm going on kelechiokafor.com forward slash shop. And it was there. And I don't know what Squarespace has going on, but for some reason, some of you are dropping your thing in the cart you're putting your tickets in the cart, but when you're in the shop, you can't see your cart. Um, I don't know, but if you click shop again, it will show you your, like, it will show you your cart and then you can, not your cart, your cart, and then you can um, pay for your tickets. But yeah, there are very few left and I'm really excited because that means we are going to touch wood, have a sold out show for Conway Hall. And that's going to be an absolute mood. I love the venue. Just imagining all of you in there is going to be a fucking vibe. So I'm very excited for that. But yeah, I just didn't feel like necessarily recording. Um, But yeah, I'm kind of still going to stick with my plan, which is I wanted to just drop two interviews that I'd kind of banked. I banked a few episodes. uh, Sorry, I banked a few uh, interviews for if ever there was a situation where I didn't feel like recording or something, I could just like drop those. But I think I'll drop one of those because my spirit still does not want to drop the other one. One of the other ones. I just don't. I just don't. You know, when you record with somebody and you think like, oh, you know, before you record with them, you think, oh, this person's a vibe. I love what they're about. I love what they do. And then you get into the interview and their vibes are just in hell like the vibe that is giving low vibrational and that's not to say that maybe they're low vibrational people it just can sometimes be maybe we were recording on an off day or whatever but I just thought I've cultivated I've done so much to build this platform over the years I'm not going to put out an episode just because I'm trying to fill up you know space and I don't really want to record I was just, like I said, I was just going to leave it blank. I was not going to record this week, maybe come back next week for the final episode or whatever, but I just didn't feel like it. I was just pissed off with a number of things. I said that there was nothing really wrong, but I think I was just more pissed off at the pace of things sometimes career-wise. And sometimes it just feels like pulling teeth. 
Um, so I was saying to Annie, I don't want to record. Actually, I think that's what it was. I was saying to Annie, I don't want to record. And Annie was just like, yeah, well, you have interviews. So maybe you could put those out because she definitely wasn't on the vibe of like just blank silence, not doing anything. And that's why I really appreciate Annie because Annie will just respectfully be like, girl, get it the fuck together. And also Annie's from New Zealand, not Australia. I feel like we all needed that reminder, me especially. Um, But yeah, I... Yeah, it was, I didn't want to. And I think like why I felt that way was because we went out to film for Baby Girl Meets World. And those like who know me, I'm very shy as a person generally. Um, but just because I'm shy doesn't mean I'm a dickhead in it. So anyway, I just don't tend to like approach people that sort of vibe. But obviously for Baby Girl Meets World, I have to speak to strangers. Like that's the point of this. This is part of my growth coming out of my shell and meeting the world, right? And and exploring whatever beautiful stories they choose to share with me. And so we first, the first day that we went out, we're figuring out the camera. The camera is so sick, by the way. So figuring out the camera, the uh, wireless mics, all of that stuff, the SD card that needs to go in, got one, it wasn't great. Um, started chatting to people. And I guess because of the weather, the time of day we were doing it, I just wasn't on it. The people that we spoke to, the ones who stopped and spoke to us were really, really wonderful. But um, I was just like, I'm going to need more because I feel like everything was like short and sweet. But I feel like that was more on me, like having to find a way to engage people so they speak to me for longer, um, not just straight launching into the question. So it was a massive learning curve on Friday. And sometimes because of the kind of person I am, I expect to be good at things the first time. So when I'm not, I get very irritated with myself more so. And so I was in a kind of like a a funk about it. Um, But then we went out the next day and it was incredible. It was incredible because it was just, I just had to find my rhythm. I had to kind of find my flow, my vibe. And the best thing was just not rushing into it straight away. Not thinking I'm going to get it all banged out in a couple of hours, just being open to just being out for most of the day and just seeing what comes of it. And for that reason, we got some amazing conversations. Um, the sound is a bit on one of them might be a bit, but you know, hopefully Brent will figure that out before that goes out. (laughs) One of the other ones, the receiver wasn't on, so we didn't get some of the interview, but we'll do that one again because they're two baby girls that we actually know. So I can sort that one out. Um, so yeah, I, here I am saying I didn't want to record and I'm already chatting away. So I'm going to rein myself in and only drop one of the interviews. Um, one of them, the, uh, because I tried to bank a few episodes, right? Or a few interviews. I keep saying episodes. I tried to bank a few interviews and one of them, the file was just corrupt. So I couldn't use it. Um, yeah. So I just felt like I'd share that with you that it's been, it's been a time. It's been a time. Yeah, here I am. I made it and it is what it is. What have I been up to? Oh, so that reminds me, those of you who are joining the members area from the 5th of Feb, um, you'll be welcome there on kelechiokafor.com. Um, the members area, I know that some of you have been searching for it. It's really not going to, it's not going to show up until February 5th. All right. That's when it's going to show up. And I expect to see y'all there because that's where the episodes will be. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking because there might be a bit of a faff. No. Yeah, I was thinking maybe to um, let you sign up from a day before 
February 4th. So you can set up your account and then that way um, you'll be able to automatically receive the thing, um, the link on your phones, the RSS feed, your private, private RSS feed. So you can get the podcast episodes or you could just watch the video um, on the website. So the video will be out at the same time as the audio. Everything goes out at the same time and you can choose which one you want to see. But I also think it's great to actually see the people. And I'm sure by then I have a cute intro as well. I'm rapping. I get irritated when people offer me help, right? And then they complicate it near the end. I would just back up. So let me not tell the story because I don't want to shade people, but it's just really, really irritating when people do that. Um, I'm minding my business like, oh, I'm going to create my theme tune. Oh, I'm going to help with the theme tune. And then it just becomes an absolute ball ache. So back to me creating my theme tune, actually save myself the drama, the drama. Um, so yeah, that's been that. So yeah, February 5th, you can join from there. For those who aren't joining, but still want to keep up with what I'm doing, because I'm not going to be posting on socials. Um, I'll have a monthly newsletter that goes out and that will be like a recap of everything that I've done that month. And I'm really excited for that because it's kind of like I get to consolidate everything in one place. And maybe I might attach a little video of something or other, or maybe a little snippet of um, some of the chats that I've been having in Baby Girl Meets World or Meet Me at the Altar. So you get to get a um, you know, a vibe of that. So if you want to sign up to that, just go to kelechiokafor.com forward slash newsletter, um, or just go to kelechiokafor.com and you should be able to subscribe to the newsletter. It's right on the main page. And so that's how you'll be able to keep up to date with what I'm doing through my monthly newsletter. I won't be, ideally, I won't be sending you any um, emails outside of the newsletter, if that's all you've signed up for, you'll just get the monthly updates from there um, and cute bits. And if I want a cute outfit, trust and believe there's going to be a picture there because my newsletter is all about me. Okay. In case you haven't realized by now, this podcast and the newsletter will be all about me and the things I've been up to and the wonderful people I've been up to it with. Um, So yeah, check that out. And what have I been up to this week or in the last week? Well, I got back to my tap dancing class. So a new uh, semester of tap dance classes, beginners tap dance class for adults. And that's going really well. I do want to change my shoes because we know I love a gold shoe, right? But this gold shoe, basically I forfeited fashion for practicality. That's a hint as to who I'll be speaking to in one of the interviews for Share Your Magnificence. So I forfeited that. So my gold shoe is really, really cute, but it's not giving the that's meant to be given when you're tap dancing. So I saw these cute patent tap shoes in block when I went um, to go and get something. So I think I want those blue patent um, tap shoes from block. So if anyone wants to get it for me, I'm a six and a half, like hook me up. Six and a half or seven, maybe seven, because then I can wear socks with it. But I'm six and five, yeah, I'm six and a half. Anyway, um, really, really cute shoes there. Look at me just giving you a list of things. I think last week I said I want um, uh, the King's Deluxe at the Standard Hotel so I can eat a hot dog and fries and sticky toffee pudding. Still waiting for some of y'all to make that happen. Um, amongst other things that I mentioned, but now you can add patent blue leather tap shoes to the mix. You can add that from block. So, um, 
yeah, I went to my tap dance class. It was really, really cool. This time we were upstairs. So we had wooden floors. So I think it just sounds better. And we've got mirrors because we don't actually, we didn't have mirrors when I first started that tap class. Um, But now we've got mirrors upstairs, which makes a hell of a difference. So it was really enjoying that. And so after my tap dance class on the same day, I also had my first ballet class, my first ballet class in 21 years. Jesus Christ. Damn. I haven't done ballet in 21 years. And I, let me tell you something. I hated it when I was doing it then because the teacher used to piss me off and I didn't understand why I needed to wear fucking pink tights. I just, I just looked ridiculous. Like come like Peppa Pig. Yeah. Peppa Kells. It was uh-uh, uh-uh. Also, big up Severine. Severine, our baby girl Severine that took my photos, as you know, is also a big girl actress. And she's the new voice of Mrs. Cow. Is it Mrs. Cow? Who teaches, she's the one that teaches ballet, isn't it? Um, for Peppa Pig. Maybe that's why it came to my mind. But no, is that Miss Gazelle? But anyway, Severine is the new voice of Mrs. Cow in Peppa Pig. So very proud of you, Severine. Um... So yeah, so didn't like ballet at Brit school, did not like it because I felt like the stupid pink tights were ridiculous. Everything was ridiculous. Do not, I do not want to run the jam of anything. Run the jam, tonju, tonju, I will tonju your throat. I'm not doing it. So yes, but I, something in me wanted to go back, right? And so I signed up to the adult classes at Ballet Black. And after one class, I'm in love. I'm in love, sweet love. I will run to jump your clot. Yeah, yeah. And I like it now. <laughs> and to be surrounded by other black women who were also beginners, oh, it's so sick. And there were, you know, there were uh, a couple of people who weren't black women there as well gender and race wise and ethnicity wise but all of us were together it was the cutest and um i'm really looking forward to it so it seems like tuesday is my dance day yeah so i'll go tap in the afternoon and i'll go ballet in the evening and it just feels really really refreshing because i i realize that i must prioritize what brings me joy what um takes me back to a space of like or into rather a space of learning i love being a student And so coupling this with my uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes, as well as my guitar lessons, I feel like I'm going to be a guitar playing, chokehold wielding, ballet dancing, tap baby girl, like assassin one day in a movie somewhat. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. But no, I just really enjoy learning all of these things and it brings me a sense of joy. And um, yeah, so Tuesdays are my dance days. And well, I mean, we've only got two more episodes of this, so it doesn't matter because I was going to say sorry that I haven't been online with you all when this comes out on a Tuesday on YouTube and when you're all in the chat, because, you know, I'm at my, you know, I'm at my ballet class now. So yeah, sorry about it. Sorry about it. But I'm thinking maybe the week after next, for the final episode, I might join, I might be able to join on chat, but we'll see how that goes depends so yeah it's great to be doing ballet and it's great to be back at tap and we'll see where it all takes me 
what was I going to say? Yeah, the Kolechnikov Showcase. So for those of you who remember, I actually have a pole dance studio. And so we're having a showcase for the students and teachers on Saturday, 27th of January at Theatre Peckham. So you can get tickets for that at kolechnikov.com and come through and support, you know, come and watch my teachers as well as my students they're not my students because I haven't taught in so long really I only kind of jump in in an emergency to teach your class and to cover but the wonderful teachers that I have who work with me at Kolechnikov as well as um, the students who come through to grace us with their love and um, their energy so a few of them will be performing at the winter showcase so that's Saturday 27th of January and that's at Theatre Peckham so come through go to kolechnikov.com to get tickets for that. Um, and I randomly, okay, I randomly want to mention Khalees, right? Because we now know that Pluto has gone into Aquarius. Um, it's gonna, it's gone in there for a short stint and then it will retrograde back into Capricorn, I think around, is it November? Um, I think September, November or so. It'll retrograde back into Capricorn and then from there it will be in the sign of Aquarius, I believe, for the next 20 years. So um, why this is fascinating to me is because while we talk about Aquarius and Pluto in Aquarius being like literally power to the people, it does also mean how individual uh, individuals will start gaining power for themselves. And um, Aquarius is opposite Leo. It's the sign opposite Leo. So those of you who have Leo placements, as well as Aquarius placements, but Leo placements um, specifically because of the opposition, you'll feel it quite a bit. So some of you have moon in Leo, Venus in Leo, sun in Leo. This is a time where you're going to probably face um, opportunities. I don't want to call them challenges, but opportunities to rise up to rise up and create the life that you want because you if you've got leo placements you love luxury like stop fucking lying you love a bit of luxury right and so you might tell yourself that you don't because you can't currently afford the things that maybe you might like but when with pluto in aquarius um opposing your um personal planets right you will be um given opportunities and learning um situations where you're going to have to do things to have the life that you want. And you're going to have to let go of certain things in order to have the life that you want. So it was just really interesting um, because Khalees has sun and moon in Leo. And Aquarius, like I said, is the opposite sign to Leo. So with Pluto in Aquarius, Khalees has already been learning how to live off the land. And this will really be important because as Pluto goes into Aquarius, we see how there'll be kind of like some disparities. There's going to be a real tussle with ourselves and the government and they're going to be petty and they're going to lock things off, maybe internet or this or that, or they're going to restrict our movement wherever we are in the world in one way, shape or form, right? And so it's going to be important, kind of like when you lot were watching Leave the World Behind. I haven't watched it uh, yet, but Mahershala Ali still remains one of the most beautiful men to grace this earth. And he was fantastic in Swan Song. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Back to what I was saying. So we're going to have to learn to be very self-sufficient. So for instance, my calling or where I felt called to is like, boom, I'm going to create the members area um, on my website and I'm going to be posting my things there. As I can't tell you what it was. I just felt the tug, the pull that I need to like come off or move away, step back from social media. And I think that we're going to see why 
maybe by the end of this year, but definitely next year, we're going to see why it's important for people like me to do such a thing. Um, because it is about cult- cultivating your own space. And look at that. I'm cultivating my own space. What did Beyonce announce the other day or the rumors, um, you know, when people were talking about the fact that she's starting her own streaming service, right? If you are about it, you will understand that institutions that you've been suckling at the teat of for the last 20 years are not going to serve you any further. What are you creating for yourself? Because some of you are signing contract after contract with a brand that if they decide to just shut their thing down tomorrow, what are you doing? Where is your money coming from? Where, like what, you don't know. And some of you insist you're miserable at the jobs that you're working at. You know that you deserve to be doing something different, but you're not going to take the leap because, oh, it's just comfortable. I know where my salary's coming from. But what if Pluto in Aquarius means that your salary is about to get locked off? What are you creating for yourself outside of that? You have to take a chance on you because there's going to be even more of a vast disparity between the have and the have nots. So start figuring it out right? Start figuring it out. Um, so yeah. And Khalees has been on this thing for a while, right? With her Leo sun and moon, she's been like, oh, I'm going to have a farm. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And we're going to see how beneficial it's actually going to be for Khalees that she started doing that. I'm seeing more black people getting land and, you know, having farms. I saw this black, um, this, uh, these two men, this couple, And I think one of them had land that was in his family and they went away together and started like um, cultivating it and putting cabins in so people could come and stay there. And it is so fucking beautiful. And I'm just saying that we all need to start thinking about how are you going to break away from the system before the system breaks you or breaks away from you? So I don't know how it's all going to shape up. Maybe that's why I was in a funk the other day because I was just like, Lord, you're telling me to go and forge something new. You're telling me, because as as bosy as I'm being about it and as nonchalant as it might appear that I'm being about the fact that I'm leaving, um, you know, I'm just stepping away from social media and I'm stopping this podcast. I'm fucking scared. Like there is a part of me that's fucking scared. Like what if it doesn't bang? Like, what if it doesn't bang? And then at the same time, I'm like, but you're that girl. What do you mean it's not going to bang? But there there will naturally be that fear because we've been conditioned to believe that these platforms and this way of doing things is the only way to do something. But I wouldn't be here doing, like, I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing now if I didn't take a chance on me, right? So when I said I'm going to start a podcast, I knew what I wanted to call it. I knew what I wanted to talk about, tarot and all of these things. I didn't know what it was going to look like. And I remember saying to some of you that, you know, um, when I set my winter solstice intention um, or intentions for that year, I said, oh, it'll be really wonderful if like 300 people listen to my podcast. And here I am in the thousands, you know, weekly. um, And it's more beautiful than I ever could have imagined, like this journey that it took me on. Um, And then the same way I'm about to start this next thing. And I've like said to myself, oh, you know, if you get 300 subscribers, that's really cute. Like just start there. I know that it's likely to be far from 300 subscribers, but you know, like you're managing your own expectations, right? But I realized that even then when I was like, oh, I'm going to start the podcast, I didn't know what kind of topsy-turvy journey was going to take me on and the blessings as well as the opportunities to grow, challenges, others might call them, that came from that. But it's given me a stronger sense of self 
And I have a better understanding of the world because I've also had to learn about the world while I've been doing each episode. Um, And yeah, it's really, really grown to be here and it's humbled me in a number of ways as well. So that's why I wanted to give um, Khalees as an example Because she's showing us how important it is to live off the land And you DIY baby people Keep doing what you're doing It's very, very important to know how to change a light bulb To screw a shelf on To do this, to do that Because things are going to change Things are going to change up Um, So I wanted to mention her And then um, I started looking up other people apart from Khalees to see um, if there's like a theme in their chart that looks like mine But I didn't really see anything that matched mine Because <laughs> one of one Just joking, just joking I probably just wasn't looking properly So anyway, Barack Obama has sun in Leo And he's an Aquarius rising Pluto going into his rising Like going into his first house Or going to touch his ascendant That's really something And then he's a sun in Leo So I think that Barack Obama is going to come back to us in another way First of all, I think that something that was hidden That he and that he might have done That's not good Apart from all the stuff we know already politically But I think that something will come to the fore I think that we're going to hear more from Barack A lot But some of it might be scandalous Um yeah, but I, I I see him moving, maybe possibly moving away from that And then being more of a celebrity Because maybe the being known as a president or whatever Maybe people don't see him that way because of the things that come out But I don't know, I'm, I'm just talking, I'm just talking, I don't know Well, anyway, Trump Donald Trump has a Gemini sun and he's a Leo rising. So he's got the opposite rising sign to Barack Obama, but it makes sense because they seem like opposites, don't they? So, uh, and it also explains why he was just so freaking obsessed with uh, Barack Obama. But um, Leo rising, so the sun, sorry, the Pluto is at some point going to um, oppose his ascendant. Don't know what that's going to look like, but I feel like it might make him. Even more notorious Notorious I feel like it But I'm just guessing Anyway, the baby girl, Princess Diana She had her moon in Aquarius at 25 degrees So why I think this is interesting Is because I think we're going to get some kind of justice For Princess Diana um, Over the next 20 years And that looks like the monarchy crumbling in a major way Like, because Karmically, she deserves She deserves because you lot tried a thing with her I wrote here to myself Princess Diana had moon in Aquarius at 25 degrees So I think when Pluto is at 25 degrees of Aquarius In the next 20 years Something significant will happen to the royal family As a balance for how she was treated Maybe those paid to orchestrate her death Will make themselves known Who knows? That's just what I'd be thinking um, Bill Clinton is a re- Libra rising with the sun in Leo So sun in Leo, um, Pluto opposing his sun at some point Yeah, we're going to find out even more about them islands that he liked to visit And all the other dusty shit that he's been doing I definitely think so With the South Node also passing through his um, passing his um, ascendant Because he's a Libra rising And we've currently got the South Node in Libra um, Yeah, Bill Clinton's going to get it 
Um, and whereas Prince Charles, King Charles, whatever you want to call him, KC3, he's a Leo rising and a Scorpio sun. Interessante. I feel like most of the royal family, they have they have Scorpio placements, but I think it's needed in order for you to extract other people's resources and claim it as your own. So that's very interesting um, as well. So Charles, Leo rising, Pluto opposing his rising sign. Hmm. I don't know how much longer he'll be king. I that doesn't go for everybody, by the way, in case you're like, oh my God, I'm a Leo rising. No, I'm just saying that with Charles and some of his, I don't know. I think he will have to step down at some point because, well, we'll talk about that later and his bulging prostate. But um, I think he might have to just like allow it, like allow it, let it go, let it go. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I went to go and watch Mr. and Mrs., which is a new series, a reimagining of the Mr. and Mrs. like films and whatever. And so I went with Kevin Morosky. And Mr. and Mrs. is a fantastic series. It comes out, I believe, on either February 1st, the same day as Strong Like Me, my book, or it comes out February 2nd on Amazon Prime. I didn't know what to expect. It stars... Um, Donald Glover and is it Maya Erskine? Is that her name? She's lovely. Um, so went to the premiere, uh, premiere, went to the screening. We watched two episodes of it. I really didn't know what to expect. And I don't want to give you spoilers, but I'm telling you, I'm imploring you, watch the fucking series. I can't wait to see the rest. I actually even wanted to message the people them and be like, can you just send me screeners? Because I want to write a piece about it. I want to talk about it on my podcast. I rarely ever use that privilege, but I was so tempted because I want to see the rest of the episodes. It is so good. I know Donald Glover has his problematic kind of like lens that he views black women through. But nobody can deny that this guy isn't a great filmmaker, that he isn't great at like making things for television or and the such. He is really good. And so I think he was working with his uh, partner, Francesca, on this. She looked cute in her blazer and skirt um, at the screening as well. Um, it's really good. So they're basically spies. If you know Mr. and Mrs. Smith, that's not a surprise. Remember Angelina and Brad when they did Mr. and Mrs. Smith? So it's a reimagining of that and not giving us like the Hollywood conventional good looking in quotation marks um, coupling. But, you know, they're still gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it, it was just refreshing to see it delivered to us in another way. The writing is sublime. I like I already love it. And uh, Kevin Morosky said the same. He was like, that was so good. And if you know Kevin, Kevin is not easy to impress. Okay. And even he said, nah, that actually slapped. I need to see the rest of it. So if you can, Amazon Prime, check it out. I can't wait for us to discuss it. I mean, I don't know where we'll be discussing it because the podcast will be done by the time it comes out and I will be off socials by the time it comes out. Um, I was so tempted. I was like, do I want to burn up? I do not want to burn up. I don't want to know. The whole point of it is to just come off the ting. Um, But yeah, that's that. Talking of Kevin Morosky. I tried to wear, I was going to wear orange, orange, but I don't have any orange that I could wear that's weather friendly because I don't know if you can hear the wind outside, but it's really giving. Uh, 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 it's really giving that. So um, I didn't wear orange, but I feel like I sort of compliment the cover of Kevin's book because our baby boy 
will be a public Well he's already a published author Because he wrote notes But he'll now have his um, next book Black Women Always It'll be out March 14th Black Women Always Conversations on Life, Culture and Creativity By Kevin Morosky Only Kevin could deliver such a beautiful book Like get the fuck into it It's so gorgeous And the picture that he uses at the um, on the cover also brilliant It's so aesthetically pleasing You know like when you see Somebody's book Who's actually about visuals Who's actually about The aesthetics And the psychology Of aesthetics You just realise how Like This guy's flipping Where other people Are flopping Wow So there are a number Of us Who are in this book uh, Kevin speaks He's in conversation With uh, black women That he rates um, Who have been a part of his life um, Who have wonderful salient things to share About their creative practice And just who they are As people And and what guides them The energy that guides them Throughout their lives And it's not It's not Self-help So just you know This is like These are deep conversations Conversations like they say about on life, culture and creativity There's a lot for us to discuss there And I feel like Kevin was the perfect person to bring this to life Um, As you know, Kevin Morosky is my baby boy And, you know, he was on the episode 100 Pennies As well as coming to the live shows He's been a great supporter of me And I think that that's um, really, really important as well That people aren't just writing um, Because, you know, like some people are fakes and frauds And they will just write a book about something that they're not actually living in terms of like, if we're talking about nonfiction, they'll write things about things that they're not actually doing. You know, when I talked about revolutionary language, but people aren't revolutionary people, Kevin is that revolutionary person. Every conversation we have, whether we speak at 10 a.m. in the morning or 10 p.m. at night, we I leave with such gems, you know, from having... This Virgo wizard, this Virgo king in my life So please do go and pre-order this book Black Women Always Do go and pre-order it so it lands for you on March 14th And that you can get into it My um, my conversation with Kevin is called Let me see My conversation with Kevin is called uh, It's about intuition And the question Yeah, it's about intuition And <laughs> it's called You thought I was feeling you That's just PTSD (laughs) And it just happens to be That something that came up While we were having the conversation Because people really do feel like You're feeling them And it's just like No I'm not Calm down 112 I love that 112 Girl you won't stop No we won't stop If you don't know what I'm singing You need to listen to 112 Yeah, mine is called, oh, you thought I was feeling you? It's just PTSD. That's the title of ours. A conversation with Kelechi Okafor, actress, director, author, founder of Kelechnikov Studio and creator of Say Your Mind podcast. I love that. Kevin is so intentional about the words that he chose here. And I think what's interesting is that he said creator of Say Say Your Mind podcast and not host of Say Your Mind podcast because he likes to remind me in little ways that I'm that girl. And I really appreciate it. Actress, director, author, founder of Kolechnikov Studio and creator of Say Your Mind podcast. When will your fave? Likely never. Um, So I'm just giving you a little tidbit here. It says, Kevin, so I've been thinking about the word intuition a lot in preparation for this conversation. 
Sometimes intuition is used to suggest that sense of survival in the moment, like a protective sixth sense. But for me, it's also related to how we should talk about culture. A lot of the time, people look at culture as if it's just the current fad that's happening, but it's not actually. It's the movement and feeling of the time. It's a spiritual experience. It's the way that we communicate with each other. What I want to talk about is real intuition in terms of being spiritually connected and doing things with divine timing. Drag me at last. My dragging has come home. I don't know why I couldn't hold that note. I need to lubricate my throat. Pause. Um, that was That's so important as a generator in human design to trust in divine timing. And not being able to explain sometimes why, you know, like when a caterpillar starts building its cocoon, I don't think the caterpillar's like, rah, I'm going to build this cocoon because I'm going to go and turn into a a butterfly. But it is just there, isn't it? It's in the DNA of the caterpillar to know when it's time to do something. The same with birds when they're like, fam, it's getting the fuck cold. Like, let's get out of here. My birds of a feather, let's fucking flock together. And they take off. You see it. Um, that's what this feels like. This sort of like, yeah, stopping the podcast, yeah, stopping the socials. I can't articulate to you what it is, but I know it will make sense when I get there. It's a metamorphosis, it's a chrysalis that. I know I must um, experience, but I don't know what's going to come out of the other side. So anyway, thank you for that, Kevin. Anyway, he goes on to say, or I now respond and I say, yeah, I mean, when I look at the definition that we have here, it says the ability to understand something instinctively without the need for conscious reasoning. Oh, not me knowing things. I think that some of the definitions online can be wayward, but what I like about this one is without the need for conscious reasoning, because our conscious reasoning is impacted by so many external forces, right? Forces telling us that we don't know this and we don't know that, and you're black and you're a woman, etc. All these things culminate together, impacting our conscious reasoning in so many ways. But then intuition, I feel, It's like the frequency that we are inherently tuned into as part of the source of creation. We are naturally dialed into that frequency and you can dial it up or dial it down depending on what you need in life. But we are inherently tuned to it. So when we call something a gut feeling, maybe for some, that is where they feel it. I just imagine us to be like human radios. If it doesn't feel right, it's the equivalent of us struggling to tune into the station. No, Kelechi... Kelechi, if you're listening to this, you'd be knowing some things. You'd be knowing some things. Give yourself more credit, baby girl. But it's not about me right now, for now. It's about our baby boy, our forever baby boy, Kevin Morosky. Black women always. I don't want to give you the entire conversation. You can go and read the entire conversation amongst the other wonderful, wonderful women who also um, have conversations with Kevin in this book. And I also want to big up the baby boy, Tom Dunn. You'll know why. Um, But yeah, two slaps on your chest, Kevin. Everybody go and get it. Black women always. Um, What else did I want to do then? So black women always, I've spoken about that. Um, And yeah, so... What I've done with the tarot this week, actually, is that I thought 
what about a pick a pile reading? A pick a pile reading for us to see what you need to be aware of or thinking about or um yeah, paying more attention to or that you're likely to experience with like basically what's ahead and what can you what are you meant to be learning from Pluto's uh kind of foray into Aquarius for this part of the year until it comes back you know, for 20 years next year, what are the themes that you should um, be conscious of? So I've put out, I've pre-shuffled three, uh, three piles. I haven't looked at the piles. All I've done is put one Oracle card on top of each pile. And I think this might make it easier for you to choose a pile rather than me saying pile one, pile two, pile three. I'm trying to help you to train your intuition more. Some of you already have sick intuition. Imagine that. Theme, 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 spirit. I see what you did there. The theme of my conversation with Kevin being about intuition, and I want you to use your intuition to pick a pile in order for you to be guided by your higher self as to what to um, pay attention to as Pluto does this little stint in Aquarius before coming back next year. So the piles are picked. Um, I, for some reason, was gifted quite a, well, two tarot decks not two tarot decks, one tarot deck and one oracle deck this week. Kevin Moroski gifted, uh, gifted me one. Um, he gifted me the tarot deck called How to Deal Tarot for Everyday Life. That's the cute box it came in. Very, very nice. My little greasy hands have been all over it. And so um, it's got a book that comes with it that was written by Sammy Main. And it was illustrated that the deck has been illustrated by Marissa de la Pena. Uh, it's really cute. It's very, very pretty, this deck. And then I saw Annie when we were recording bits for Baby Girl Meets World, and she gifted me the realist oracle, Finding Magic in the Mundane. And this is by Kendra Austin, 53 Authentic Cards and Guidebook. It's so lovely. So I've used um, the realist oracle as the one of the cards to place on each pile. And I don't know if I mentioned it to you all last week, but I bought myself the deck uh, uh, of tarot. Um, I bought myself the tarot deck called Exotic Cancer. I might have just posted that in Close Friends and not actually shared it on a podcast. But I bought this deck called um, Exotic Cancer. And I think I have talked about this and it's got like sex workers on it. They're illustrated on it, um, on each card in the deck. And I really, really love it. It's so easy for me to like understand. I love the vibe of it. The culture of it is some mood. And I also used um, some of the cards from the Dreamers Tarot deck by my baby girl, Marcella Kroll. You know that even before I met Marcella and um, I was already using her decks. So I've got her deck's up here as well. Which one's this one? Before I pull something in, it drops on my head. Sacred Symbols. Yeah, Sacred Symbols. I've got two editions of um, the Oracle deck called Sacred Symbols by Marcella Kroll. And now I've got the uh, the Dreamers Tarot deck by Marcella Kroll as well. And I love her. She illustrates um, a lot of the cards as well. And then I got myself, I bought myself the Pulp Tarot by Todd Olcott. And so they look very kind of like, um, what does it say here? The Pulp Tarot gives the traditional tarot deck a new twist with a cast of characters captured from the glorious um, repository of pulp illustration, ready to unleash the secret forces pulsing vibrantly within every soul and lay bare the squirming, throbbing life within. 
Well, colorful, intriguing, and complex, the Pulp Tarot was created with only one goal in mind, to get you questioning your soul from darkness to light, if you dare. Um, Todd Alcott has been a playwright, monologuist, monologuist, don't ask me, screenwriter, actor, and filmmaker, and is now a graphic artist living in Southern California. He's known on the internet for his cultural mashups that reimagine popular songs as the covers of paperback novels, movie posters, magazine covers, and other 20th century ephemera. Um, I love that. Um, Todd, I hope you're not a racist. Um, The Pulp Tarot. Very, very gorgeous deck. So I've got quite a few decks on deck. (laughs) So yeah, I've got all of those. And um, yeah, so let me, without much further ado, we've got The Great Crumble is essentially pile one. So The Great Crumble. If you like the sound of that, The Great Crumble. It sounds like apple crumble. I like apple crumble. I like making it. Do you like more crumble or more filling? Because I think I like more crumble. Anyway, that's by the by. Pile two is uh, the uh, oracle deck on top of that is build home. Build home. It's a nice green card. The Great Crumble was a red and green card. The Great Crumble was number 16. Build home was number 51. And then the third pile, number five, is uh, called boss up. B-O-S-S up. Like boss up. Stand up boss up. So do you want, take a moment, I'm going to repeat that. Do you want the great crumble, number 16, or build home, number 51, or boss up, number five? These are the only cards I've seen of each pile. So in real time, we'll then go through what um, the rest of the cards are that are shuffled, pre-shuffled underneath. So let's get into it. Um, Let me just switch cameras. Okay, here we go. So let's start with pile um, one, which is the Great Crumble. So the Great Crumble, we've got... The Great Crumble, Crumble makes me think of, like I said, the Tower card, right? And the fact that with Pluto in Aquarius... Um, moving out of Capricorn Anytime Pluto moves into a new sign It wants to make itself known So it, although it takes time to do everything that it does Over 20 years When it first enters It enters on a mad vibe When it entered into Capricorn in 2008 Boom, we had the financial crash And then everything started to like level out And you know, people started thinking about institutions Government, they started thinking about all of those things Over time so I think it is going to make itself known in a big way. Um, and that might be in your life. You might notice that things are sort of changing. It might feel like they're crumbling. It might feel like they're crumbling, right? But it's only able to crumble if it wasn't built on sturdy foundations in the first place. So let's see what other cards you've got. You've then got Justice in Reverse from um, the Marcella Kroll deck, the Dreamers Tarot. Justice in the reverse So this is a Libra card And it also speaks to the South Node in Libra as well So there is, like I said This letting go of things that make your heart heavy Because I'm looking at this heart that's been weighed against the feather Letting go of things that don't 
serve you anymore. Habits, behaviors, relationships, and even contracts that no longer serve you. So maybe if you were in a business partnership or a relationship as in like um, a marriage or whatever, or you had some kind of um, contract that you were in with somebody that maybe you were in a relationship with. So it wasn't necessarily a marriage contract, but maybe you were in business together. You're now like, okay, need to lock off the ting. Um, so yeah, it's bearing that in mind. Justice in reverse is realizing also that how things might be imbalanced in your life. And like I said, not serving you, you're either giving too much or giving too little. Are there people out there who feel like, well, yeah, you're just a taker, 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 um, and you're not a giver. Um, or is it that you give so much and, um, you struggle to, um, accept love. You struggle to receive it when you feel that you're getting close to it. You run away. These are things to consider because things will crumble around you to show you that you can't build a life on a lack of love or, 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 or on pretend love. Yeah. So that's justice in reverse there. And then from the pulp tarot, four of swords we've got. So this is a moment, um, with uh, Pluto in Aquarius giving us this kind of bus force, this second bus force as it's kind of peaking its head in. Um, when we look at this um, four of swords, it is a time of introspection. It's a time of retreat. It's a time of, I don't necessarily want to say rest, but I also think that it could be rest for some people, but it's a sign of surrender. You can't like, <laughs> You against Pluto, baby, like it's not a fair fight. Don't even try because some people will try to fight the lessons that they're learning. They'll try to fight the patterns that are being made clear to them. They'll think like, no, 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 no. Um, I can still do things my way. And I kept thinking about that song. I did it my way. But you, you can't do this your way. Let me tell you that. Yeah. The way that you've been doing things might have hurt yourself and hurt other people. So you're going to have to reimagine what you're doing, um, and how you're doing it. So four of swords is about that introspection in the traditional deck. We see, um, somebody in a, is it sarcophagus? Um, and so there is a part of you in set in essence that as well, that's dying. Um, or maybe you, um, are thinking about death maybe, um, quite a bit recently, but whatever the case may be, you are having this deep, deep introspection about what your life means and understanding that there needs to be a relinquishing of um, life as you thought it was in order to allow a new version, a more fulfilling version to come to the fore. And you probably would have gotten signs about this already. And so this is the second air sign card we have because justice is a Libra card and the swords is an air sign card. So again, speaking to Aquarius, um, Libra and Gemini, so you would have had people come through probably already to kind of start knocking at the door of the lessons that you need to learn or to start kind of pulling you towards the path that you, the, the new path that you're likely to um, want to follow. And so at first, naturally, there'll be resistance. Like they don't know what they're talking about. They're this, they're that. But your the lessons, the messages are only going to get louder and more disruptive. All right. So it's best that to note it because when I think about the great crumble, it's like somebody coming in to your house and saying to you, oh, you know that your roof is about to fall in. Oh, stop being a hater. You just don't understand. My roof has always looked this way. It's fine. You're only going to get so many more warnings before that roof falls on your head. So that's um, that card. And then we've got seven of pentacles. 
seven of pentacles and in this image we see a snake um kind of gathered around eggs that haven't yet hatched but there's an egg that's kind of like not wrapped around the snake right and so i think about with the seven of pentacles coming out in reverse and looking at this snake that due to a lack of patience right and and wanting to fight the process you're losing valuable things like thinking there, I, I do get a sense of almost like arrogance with this card as well. Like, well, I've gotten by this far. Yeah, you've gotten by this far. And part of you have been, has been miserable for a while. So why don't you want to try the new way, you know, and allow things, give things the time to um, hatch. Right. And again, when I think about this, um, the snake, I also, for some reason, think about the colon as well. Like, th I think about that. I think about energy. I think about how, when they talk about, is it in Kundalini? Like, the energy just at the base, so, um, base of the spine. So not even feeling rooted, not feeling grounded right now and trying to escape reality um, because you don't want to be patient with the process that's taking place because it's painful. I hear it. I hear it. But you still have to be here, right? So seven of pentacles in reverse. And then we've got 10 of wands. Yep. Feeling very burdened by responsibilities, feeling so burdened, not really. And I mentioned birds earlier and there's a bird at the top of the um, stacks of logs that this, um, this person is carrying from the truth hurts tarot deck. Um, feeling really, really burdened and stressed at this time. I'm so sorry. I know that when our worlds are changing, it can just feel so catastrophic it could feel horrible it could feel overwhelming but you can lay some of these ones down because you're sort of thinking that you are in control of something that is essentially out of your control so you're busying yourself with things that will only cause you to feel more overwhelmed so it's you know bearing that in mind and then from the um what is it? The exotic cancer deck. I've got the wheel of fortune here as the card. So the wheel of fortune here, um, this image um, of the wheel, we're seeing excuses that um, punters give when they don't want to pay for a dance in the strip club. And so I feel like this is spirit talking about all the excuses you're giving in order to not have your life move forward because you're delving into the unknown. So it's like, oh, no, no, it can stay this way. Or maybe, no, it was just, it was, stop giving excuses. Maybe it was this person. Maybe it was that person. No, life is going to move on with or without you. So you either, you know, get ready to play ball or get out of the park. And then finally, we've got, I demonstrate from the, um, what's it, Dickhead and, uh, Dickhead and Recovery Affirmation card deck, we've got, I demonstrate how deeply in love I am with myself by choosing rest. And so that's very, very, um, you know, important because I talked about the four of swords and I said, oh, well, I don't think it's so much about rest per se as surrender. And I think that this, they, they speak to get, uh, they speak to each other. It's hand in hand. If you love yourself, you're not going to try and fight Pluto. You're just not going to try and fight Pluto in fucking Aquarius. What you're going to do is surrender to the process because the person, the you that um, emerges from this process is going to be a you that you're so proud of. 
And I get the sense that there is an imbalance in what you present to the world and who you are and the facade that you've been presenting to your to the world and your family is crumbling and you're going to have to allow for the crumbling to happen. So who you are, the real you can emerge because that is the you that is so um, yearning for love behind all of the masks. So I pray that that resonates with you, part one, that was yours. So that was those who chose the great crumble. Now we're moving on to build home number two, pile number two, number 51. I really should timestamp these things, but we've got like one more episode to go. So I'm not build home all that green. So green, it makes me think of like new beginnings, a freshness, um, earthiness, like really kind of grounding yourself I'm literally starting a new home or, you know, getting a new home. Some of you might be in that process right now or um, making a home where you are. So some of you might still live with parents and maybe you felt frustrated that, oh, by now I should have moved out because all my other friends are doing rare, rare, rare. Don't worry about what your other friends are doing. Build a home where you are. So let's see what we've got for the rest of the card. So that's build home. Um... And then we've got here four of swords again. Interesting. Four of swords. So some of you might have been working really, really hard to save money in order to get a home or you've been building a home. There's this idea of like, we talked about the great crumble and the roof falling in and now we've got build home. So some of you might have been stuck between choosing between pile one and pile two, but we've got four of swords here um, that comes up. So maybe trying to find rest or trying to create a space for yourself Oh, thank you, spirit. You're trying to create a space for yourself that you can go and rest in. Because sometimes, you know, when you live with parents or you, yeah, let me start with that. When you live with parents, you sometimes feel like you're always on walking on eggshells. You can't just truly relax in your space. You want a space where you can like switch off from the world and just um, have some peace of mind. So some of you might have been having maybe relatives staying with you or friends staying with you, or maybe you've just recently moved in with a partner and it's just like, yo, I miss having my own space where I can just come in and switch off from the world, like switch my mind off from the world. Um, and so it's important that you find a way to rest, to find a way to switch off in, you know, in one way or another. Um, we've got the high priestess in reverse here from the um, pulp tarot. The high priestess in reverse is that when you're not getting rest, you can't make the decisions that you need to make and make them well because you're out of um, sync with your intuition. That's the buzzword today, isn't it? You're out of sync with your intuition, right? And so when we think about, you know, build home, I know for me anyway, I'm so kind of like, I want to get a house. I want to get a house for me and Lev. I want to get a house. I want to get a house. It has to be, it has to have this. It has to have that. Um, But sometimes when you are so focused on the thing that you want as the end result, you make some choices that you shouldn't make in the in-between to get there because all you're focused on is the end result as opposed to trusting, trusting that spirit trusting that God will, will, will get you to that space. Um, but you have to be more free flowing. So the high priestess in reverse is very interesting that that came out. And then we've got the eight of cups in reverse. So I feel like some of you literally are building a home, like you're building a home and you're wanting to walk away from the project because you're like, I did not know that this was going to be this fucking hard. I hate it here because you thought it was just going to be easy. Like, oh, we'll just renovate this part um, and then it'll be fine. But you're like, if you renovate that part, where are you going to sleep? So there's that idea. And for some of you, it is this thing of like, um, 
abandonment issues as well Being worried about being left So being scared of committing In certain regards to certain things Because you're scared of one day Maybe somebody leaving Or maybe that was an earlier experience in life Um, So that's something So funny I just keep seeing all of these buildings Eight of Cups In reverse Not giving up on your dream You know, it's another thing that I get here with Eight of Cups in reverse, not giving up on your dream of the kind of, um, you know, projects that you might be working on. So it might not even just for some of you be a home, but it might be a project, but not giving up on it because things are tough right now. Drag me. Not giving up on it because things are tough right now. Stick with it. You know, stick with it and just let your intuition take the lead. You're trying to, again, kind of like power one, you're trying to rule things with your mind and you're trying to brute, like, um, with brute force control things. And a lot of things are out of your control, but let the seasons work with you because sometimes it takes longer for concrete, for instance, to set, right? When it's colder. And so you're frustrated that our things aren't moving, but do you not want the concrete to set? Do you want to continue with your project and then everything fucks up later on? Take time. And, you know, this is a drag for me because I, you know, I sent my manuscript, my first draft to my agents as well as my editor the other day. And then my agents came back and they were like, yeah, I feel like this might need a bit more fleshing out here and here. And initially my first instinct was like, but then I had to calm myself and I was like, no, no, Kelechi, flesh it out flesh it out, take the time and do what needs to be done so you can deliver the thing and you can deliver it beautifully. So this is one of those lessons. Oh, and why that's important is because I'm like, I just need it to get out there to the US market. Let's try and sell it because then when we sell it to the US market in terms of the, you know, the the book, then they'll give me lots of money and then I can get this home that I want to get. You see what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm I'm turning down my intuition because I just want to get to the end goal And that's not how it works Take the path and take the path carefully Yeah, don't try and get any shortcuts Because you're going to hate what you get at the end of it What's the next card here? (laughs) Seven of Pentacles, there we go Seven of Pentacles And that came up in um, the Great Crumble pile as well So there might be a synergy Those of you who were kind of caught between Do I want um, the Great Crumble or do I want um, Build a Home as my deck Seven of Pentacles comes up here But it comes up in um, upright Patience, patience, grasshopper Patience Everything that you're planting will grow in time Patience If you try to drag out the thing Drag the tomato off the vine before it's ready You're not going to enjoy yourself Patience Let everything take as long as it needs to take Just like Kevin was saying Divine timing, exactly The next card we've got here From the Exotic Cancer um, deck Is Ace of Pentacles If you take the time, I promise you You'll get way more back Than you ever could have imagined And that song keeps coming to me Is it her... And um, Michelle De Giocello Um, It was better than I imagined That's such a banger Um, But Ace, go and listen to that Because that might be a song for you Because I've said it twice now Um, Ace of Pentacles There's a gift There is a gift in allowing time To do what it needs to do And sometimes like Pluto We need to go into the underworld for a bit So we can come back anew right, And get that coin but you need a coin in it to get into Hades Anyway, that's a, that's another story But Ace of Pentacles, Sha Saying with patience Don't walk away from what you're trying to build currently Stick with it Take some rest if you need to 
But keep going because you will get your things And you'll get more than you could have ever imagined And then the card from the <laughs> The card from the Dickhead in Recovery Affirmation card deck Is I choose myself this time Choose yourself Choose yourself And I think sometimes it's when we're worrying about What other people, what we think other people expect of us That we try and rush a process Maybe if it was down to you You would, you would move more slowly but because you feel like oh, other people um, are expecting me to have done this by now And I, you know, I want to do this and to show these people And to sh- choose yourself Choose yourself and calm down Yeah So that's pile two So that was the build home Build home deck And now the or pile And the last pile that we have now is boss up I love this because boss up, a boss up is giving very Virgo energy She's got all of her things um, on a um, board You know, things, dates a circle She's got a good sort of um, um, laptop stand for her laptop So she takes care of her body um, Takes care of her posture She's been at this for a while And she's wearing dungarees like me Not you trying to be me, girl But I don't have a dog yet Maybe I have a dog and I'll name it Donut Because there's a donut by the dog as it rests Um, So boss up, let's see what we've got for boss up Six of pentacles, six of pentacles, blessings, blessings and um, blessings and financial abundance. The beginning, I feel I should say of financial abundance. So great things coming in financially um, in the first instance. So I think, yeah, a big focus of Pluto in Aquarius for you will be a drastic change to your finances in the best way. So if you've had some real tough times, maybe you started a business and you've really been having a hard time of it and looking at your bank balance and being like, look, I do not want them people to come and look for me. Them HMRC dons. I do not want them to come and look for me or the IRS. I do not want these lots to come and look for me. Jesus fix, fix my bank account. Lord. Um, this is saying that that's going to change Pluto in Aquarius energy for you in the beginning stages is about a change, a, a drastic change to your finances in a good way that allows you to boss up, that allows you to realize why. And, um, it was so important for you to put in the level of work that you've been putting in thus far. And then we've got the five of swords. So there, there's some kind of victory here that you have as well. You've had to battle with some people, possibly had to battle with a lot of competition and maybe um, self-limiting beliefs like, oh, is it ever going to pick up for me? Is it ever going to, you know, am I ever going to get where I need to get to with all of this? But the, uh, the five of swords is showing that you do, that this is, that this is victorious. Like you've, you've, you've managed to stave off the comp- competition and show why, like, you've lasted this long. Um, yeah, I like that. Why you've lasted this long and managed to kind of like over time figure out what your unique selling point is with the work that you've been doing. Um, and maybe there was a legal situation as well to do with your maybe entrepreneurship um, or maybe you were working somewhere and then you realized that you needed to leave because of a legal situation or some kind of um, higgy hagger with maybe HR. And you decided like, boom, I need to be out of here and do my own thing because I'm not going to have people speaking to me like a dickhead. Well, that's going to work for you. So if it's not something that's happened yet, it might be something that's about to happen that's going to um, encourage you. I don't even want to say force you, but encourage you to go it alone and it will be a prosperous endeavor. Um, what's the next card here? We've got the eight of wands Eight of wands Yep 
I definitely feel like this is something that changes. Like I said, there's a drastic change to your finances in a good way. And the eight of wands is about communication as well. So maybe an opportunity that you weren't expecting comes through um, in email form, or maybe a friend texts you and like, oh, guess what I've just heard. I think this will be really suitable for you. Or somebody WhatsApps you and says, oh, have you heard of this incubator or this new um, initiative where they're giving you um, uh, money or investments to do such and such? It definitely feels like, feels like a message that comes through or you're um, offered um, the chance to do something to work on something that almost comes out of nowhere like out of nowhere you would have never thought that you would have been on these people's radar you're like what the fuck this has to be a hoax but it's not it's not like people notice you even when you don't realize like people have been watching you for a while right so don't be surprised when great things are coming as a result of the work that you've been doing seven of cups comes out yeah because of the drastic changes you're going to have so many options and you need to know which option to choose that's best for you do not get like blinded by the lights where you're like oh my god because sometimes when these drastic things happen you're like oh I need to just choose something or everything because I might never get this chance again no take your time take your time and choose well that they're not doing this you're not being offered this opportunity um as a hoax or because um you know you're not deserving of it and somebody made an um an error somewhere you are deserving of it so choose wisely choose like you know that you are deserving of this spot right um and also if you, if it's something that hasn't been done before and you are the one that's starting it maybe you've been headhunted for instance to create something and create something new um, think about the best manifestation of the of this role that you have and how it can best ben um, how it can best suit or benefit as many people as possible. Bev and benefit you, yeah, benefit you. So if it's you choosing what your salary is, choose it well. If it's you choosing what your time off is, choose it well. Because you know once you lock it in, it's locked in. So make it count. Is the message I'm getting there? And then what have we got from exotic cancer? Two of wands. I felt like I was going to see two of wands from when I saw eight of wands. I don't know why, but two of wands here um, just says to me that it's your time, that you're going forward on a path that you haven't um, experienced before because all of this sort of happens out of nowhere. And sometimes when you're used to struggling, struggle, 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 suddenly when the road opens up, you're like, what the fuck? What? No obstacles? No obstacles. There's no one that's going to try and par me or start, start wanting to tussle with me. I can just go through. It can feel really, really scary, actually, because you've become so used to oppositions. You've become so used to tension. But trust, trust in the fact that the path is opening up and it's opening up drastically and follow it. And for some of you, it might even be in terms of speaking up in your relationship. And when you do, you notice that there's more, um, you know, equilibrium and reciprocity. Um, you because you've realized that you you do have the mental wherewithal to be like, this is my stance, and this is why things need to change. And so communication is changing as well. And maybe you were with somebody that felt like they had plenty of options, and they're now coming back like, oh, I've realized that you are the best option. And then you're like, oh, well, in that case, here are all of my rules going forward because you won't try that nonsense again. All right. So that was a random final message. And then we've got here, I attract everything I need because I stay true to who I am. What did I say to you? And that's seven of cups. Even if you have so many options, stay true to who you are. 
Like you didn't just get this because of a random fluke. You have always been deserving. So choose like you know that you are deserving of these things and stay true to yourself because only more good can come of it. So I hope that that resonates with you. That's all of the piles that I managed to do there. Look at me go. It's so funny that I'll go, I don't want to do an episode and I'll be here yap, yap, yapping like a yapper. Um, for over an hour But I hope that that benefits you And I do Would really love to know um, Through tweets or Instagram Would really love to know Which pile resonated with you And what you've got going on And maybe You know Is something that needs to play out Over the next few months But you'll know if it was your pile Because certain things should hit straight away So with all of that said um, What do I want to do? I want to read this letter And then jump to the interview that I'm so excited for us to have in this episode. So I got this letter from, I love your name. It says here, hi Kalechi. I know you're probably getting loads of letters into the pod as you round up this chapter. And you said a few episodes back that it helps a lot when the letter titles are eye-catching to get through them. I would have sent a voice note, but I have lots to say. I thought that there'd be nothing more fitting than expressing how much I loved Edge of Here for this Share Your Magnificence nomination. One of my goals for this year is to get back into reading. I've set my Goodreads challenge already. Uh And Edge of Here was a great start to the year. Broom and Uterus Star in particular are my favourites. Thank you so much. Um, Potential spoilers, please ignore this section if you read this on a podcast. It's just me gushing. I literally only started looking at how much info I give on those cycle apps after reading Uterus Star. And I love how Broom portrays how connected the diaspora is. As in, I felt like I was reading my feelings on the page with regards to being black British and still feeling the atrocities that have, have and continue to happen to black people anywhere else, that it doesn't have to be that bad here and now to feel deeply for anywhere else, anytime else. Edge of Here delivered the type of reading experience I love, where I'm asking all these questions and then the characters says exactly what I'm thinking, almost in answer. It's legit how I listen to the podcast too. That's why I have to listen to new episodes at home, lest I forget myself and talk back as if I'm speaking directly to you. I absolutely love your narrative writing and see what you mean now by nominative determinism. Spoiler, I see what you did there with... (laughs) I see what you did there with Joan Crow. (laughs) Now, I'm so gassed to see what your next full-length novel reads like. I can't wait to get my hands on it soon. I love Afrofuturism and mystery type genres. Um, Not sure if that's fully what you'll be going for, but it's just what I gleaned from your brief description in one of your stories a while back. If so, this lineup is a true banger in my bookish opinion. I'm learning French at uni, so it always makes my heart smile when you add a little Jenny Sanquois to the pod. (laughs) Also, I wanted to say a quick thank you for giving us SYM. I've been listening since year 11. Wow. During lockdown. Honestly, um, I honestly don't know how I would have made it through if not for you. As the Ada in my family, school was always an escape for me. So being around family Wahala for so long was not it. Listening to your music remixes every Monday morning, your candidness and comedy injected from highlighting all the goodness in humanity to the foolishness as well made it worth sticking around. And your consistency too inspired me. Again, Merci mille fois. Um, or is it Merci mille fois? That means a thousand thank yous, isn't it? Thank you so much. Well, I see, this is the thing. Don't get upset when I know French, you lot. Don't get upset in it. 
Don't get upset when I know French. All right. <laughs> I'm also really excited to see what the next stage brings from your own website. I won't miss the live show this year either. I'll be live streaming while revising if I have to. I don't care. I don't care. Big up yourself and two slaps on your chest. Thank you so much. I love that message. And honestly, you sent that in today, actually. And just as you were sending it in, my baby girl, Sienna, sent me a message on Instagram and she was just telling me how proud she is that she's finally read Edge of Here and she's so proud of me. Sienna is so fucking smart. So when she sent that to me, I was like, wow, thank you so much. Like so many of you have sent me really wonderful messages. And I think I saw one comment the other day when someone for some fucking reason decided to tag me and they were like, oh, I just felt like the cat, the, the stories were rushed and they needed more and they need to, there needed to be more world building. You're just telling me that you have no imagination. I'm not going to build out the entire world for you because then it becomes too prescriptive. The whole point of it was so that you are getting certain things and you're fleshing it out. Like, let me not, let me not. If you want a world, you'll get the world in the novel if that's enough world for you. But I'm not going to be spoon feeding you the entire thing because the, the onus is on the actual things that are happening in our society. What, what more do you need? I need to tell you the name of the hospital that Emma was working at. You need all of that information. What would that do for you? So I remember reading that and it just pissing me off, like seeing certain things and being pissed off. But this is why I don't go out of my way to look for reviews. I don't go out of my way to look for anything. Um, so when people tag me, I'm like, why the fuck are you tagging me? Like tag me if it's positive. I don't care how egotistical it sounds. T- tag me when it's positive. Like don't tag me for anything else because I just don't want to know. And to be fair, like I've hardly seen any like negatives, but still it's just irritating when you see that because you almost want to fire back and be like, so what the fuck did you not get? But that's me being precious about my work and let people have it. Anyway, I've already said too much. I've already talked enough. So thank you for that wonderful letter. It really, really brightened up my day. I was in a weird funk. So thank you for that. Um, And what else? Well, let's get into it then. So my interview today that we'll be getting into is with Shakela Forbes-Bell. So for those who don't know, in 2016, Shakela became the first black person in the world to earn a master's degree in fashion psychology. Her research surrounded the underrepresentation of black models in fashion media, its impact on consumer behavior and the self-concept of um, black looks, basically. And um, I can't wait for you to hear this interview because, again, Shikayla is so fucking smart. She's so pretty. She's so lovely. Um, she's doing something really wonderful regarding her family as well that you'll hear later on if you don't already follow her. Um, but yeah, um, as I was saying, um, her research surrounded the underrepresentation of black models in fashion media, its impact on consumer behavior, and the self-concept of young black women. After her paper was published in the International Journal of Market Research, she broadened her focus, created the platform Fashion is Psychology, and she has worked with global brands to unpack the psychological impact of style and beauty. Um, she is featured in The Guardian, Stylist, CNN, who, what, where, Galdem, and more. Her work has been published in Vogue, Marie Claire, um, Marie Claire UK, 
ID, The Times and Sunday Times style and Grazia. She is currently, uh, she's regularly uh, called on for comment on and expert insight into trends, sustainability research and representation in the fashion industry and has worked with and provided psychologically focused PR, branding and marketing advice to international brands, including Next, Afterpay, Two, uh, two clothing and stylists and she um, frequently goes on to Lorraine as well I believe um she has a book out called big dress energy how fashion psychology can transform your wardrobe and your confidence so that came out in 2022 um and yeah it was just great to talk to Shakela. Uh, we were on a panel together recently or last year at the black british book festival and she's just a joy she always just emanates so much joy and she's just so cute i remember we first met when she came to my pole dance studio years ago when i still had the studio in clapton when I first opened my studio in Clapton in 2016, she came around them times with her friends and she's just been um, amazing. Just to watch her growth has just been absolutely incredible. I'm laughing because um, we talk at some point, I don't even want to spoil it for you because it won't be funny, but it's something to do with podcasts and girl, even when I look today, I still can't see it. So fix it, fix it, Shakela. Um, but without much ado, do enjoy my chat with Shakela Forbes Bell, the baby girl. Shakela, the baby girl. Thank you so, so much for joining me um, to chat. Like, you're just great. And I love my copy of Big Dress Energy. Aye, aye. <laughs> um, so you're just like, you're out here because you're like in the Guinness World. Guinness book, Guinness world record book, right? No, I'm so <laughs> But you should be because like, well, I think you should be anyway. It says here in 2016, Shakela Forbes Bell became the first black person, first black person in the world to earn a master's degree in psychology for fashion professionals at the London College of Fashion. Um, That's a big deal. That's a big deal. <laughs> much yeah that was that was a crazy time and I think it was just so hard starting that course because no one really knew you can take fashion psychology into a specific like domain Mm. it was always something that was on the very like periphery of social psychology Mm -hmm. but it's something that I was so passionate about and when I found the course of course that nothing's going to stop me it just sounded like it was so perfect for me but obviously I'm looking around no black people sometimes it's yes. like oh you're a new black woman but it's like no black people <laughs> and if anybody goes to LCF they'll know that even if you walk the halls there's still there's very small amount of us um but I obviously that's something a lot of us have experienced especially mm-hmm. in this country everywhere you go you're only 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 one but um I was so proud of that and I literally just posted it randomly on my Twitter and Instagram and it blew like I didn't realize how supportive and like kind and so like welcoming everybody would be and I have to shout out like the voice and gal there I'm like they were the first yeah. publications to celebrate me and that literally that support at the beginning is a lot of the reason why I'm here where I am today no it's absolutely um phenomenal because because women like you people like you do the things that you're doing um it shows what's possible what's with you know within the realm of possibility for so many other people like fashion psychology you know to have a master's in it you're you're really that girl like you you are and you know I love that I you're I enjoy your posts so much 
I need a podcast from you about fashion psychology, like breaking down historical looks. So podcast producers who are out there, I keep giving you. In fact, I've been saying that when I end this podcast, I hope you'll come on to my next show. It's going to be on my website. Yeah. Um, but I hope you'll come on to my next show because that's more kind of chilled and it's just really kind of like um reveling in baby girl energy. But um <laughs> I'd really like you to come on to that. But I do feel like, you know, I was saying that I would love to consult with people as they go ahead to create their own podcasts. Yeah. And I think that you having one that kind of looks at like what we've had throughout history, like quintessential looks like I would even say, you know, even that J Lo look, the Versace dress. Yeah. Like, and looking at the context of that, like, I can't wait. When you decide on that <laughs> podcast, like, I can't wait. I'll be your yeah. number one listener. If you need me to help on the consulting producing side, you got me because I just love what you do. But what really struck a chord with me, and I thought it would be great for us to just, you know, have this quick chat, encourage people to go and get a big dress energy, buy it, read it, like, love it promote it because you are an expert and oftentimes we don't talk enough about black women being experts but why I wanted um, us to have a chat on the show is because when I heard what inspired you to want to um, delve further into fashion psychology it really moved my heart like it really really moved my spirit when you talked um, about Trayvon Martin could you tell us a bit about that Yes, I will. Before I dive into that, I do have a podcast. I think I'm I, terrible at promoting oh it. Oh my I'm god! <laughs> it's called Big Just Energy, the podcast. I'm actually recording season two now, but you can look at that. Spotify, Spotify, YouTube, and I just have a load of different guests talking about their relationship with fashion, why love. and beauty and hair. We've had hair psychologists, we've had stylists, we've had all professional organizers, just everything to do with your space, your aesthetics, and we get really deep. And I'm really excited for this next season. We have. Um, I love this, Shakela. Yeah. Please promote that thing more because I need to I, promote it more. <laughs> because upon my deep diving, I did not see this. But what is going on? What is going on? There I am, I like, oh my god, I've got a great idea for a podcast. And you're like, girl, I got one. That that says yeah. so much. <laughs> I know. Sometimes people come up to me like, I'm like, they're like, I love your podcast. I'm like, how do you know about it? Because I just don't promote. Like, it. See, like, now you're, you're, you're. How is it a best kept secret? What are you doing? I know it's almost like it's just for me just for fun but yeah I need to I am going to promote it so actually I will add a link for those of us who did not know I will add a link to Big Dress Energy the podcast so we all know where it's at okay thank you so much but yeah so back to your question Mm. about my journey so starting off I went to uni for to be a psychologist and mm. I always used to watch Frasier growing up. That was my daytime TV favourite. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be that. I'm going to be like the black female Frasier and just have like, you know, maybe my little radio show, have clients. But I went to uni, UCL, and it was so dull. Like I really didn't like clinical psychology. Mm-hmm. The process to actually become a psychologist is a lot of like biology. It's a lot mm. of like very... Um, quite rigid and it's so competitive and it just wasn't I was good at it don't get me wrong but it didn't mm. spark my passion mm. 
So we started to do more social psychology and I loved that in my second year. And in my third year, that's when you have the opportunity to do your own project. But a lot of the time they kind of give you the project. So they give you something that the lecturers maybe have already been testing. Maybe it's about educational psychology, organizational psychology, Mm -hmm. like something in those realms. But that was in 2012. And during that time, it was the first wave of the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, every Mm -hmm. time I say this, people are like, no, it's like 2020. Incorrect. Black Lives Matter started back in 2012 with the murder of Trayvon Martin. So Trayvon Mm -hmm. Martin was a young boy in Florida. He was gunned down in a very affluent area by a vicious person by the name of George Zimmerman. And Mm -hmm. it was global news. Global news, there was marches. I went to protests and it was just something that really, it sparked something in me as with many other people. Um, and when I was I was plugged into the US media at that time, I was listening to everyone's talks, I was following the Million Hoodie March, and I just mm. loved that. And I was thinking about that picture of him, you know, the grayed up picture, and he's wearing his hoodie. Um, and I thought that was so powerful. But then you had some US pundits saying that, oh, if he wasn't wearing this hoodie, then, you know, he wouldn't have been gunned down. It wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. And then that followed on the conversation about, oh, like, um, black men, you know, they need to be suited and they need to be um, buttoned up and they need to look, you know, almost this kind of respectability politics. Mm -hmm. And that is a way to protect us from racial violence. And that really struck a chord in me because at the same time, we had athleisure booming. So a Mm -hmm. lot of these designers were making their collections very more comfortable, um, more hoodies, more joggers, more tracksuits, like from Alexander Wan to Philip Pine, like they were just all really getting into that kind of luxury athleisure space. And then we had the tech giants like Mark Zuckerberg coming up and wearing hoodies everywhere. Like that was his uniform and people seeing that and thinking, wow, this man is so, he's so cool. He's such a, he's such an inspiration. He's changing what it means to look successful in the workplace. And that started a ripple effect within Silicon Valley. So now I was looking at these clothing, specifically the hoodie, and just questioning why is it having this impact in 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 these in these spaces where they've been it's been seen as being cool and um subversive and just being edgy and into mm. a marker of intelligence but on a black body it's been seen as a reason to clutch your pearls and cross the street and mm. kill somebody but then in the same time when you had the million hoodie march the hoodie was being seen as a political point to bring people together to unite it was a symbol of hope and I just wanted to look at the intersection between clothing race and impressions and it opened me up to the all the research into fashion psychology about how clothes make us feel how they make other people feel how they change the way we act and move how they help us to connect with other groups how it allows us to show what what cultures we're a part of versus not clothes are just so powerful so I did my whole research on the hoodie project I looked at the intersection between clothing race and impression formation and I loved it and I got a first and I I had to beg my supervisor to to let me do my own project because nobody else had done that so that was already going out on the limb um but I loved it. I loved it. And then I just did a quick Google search because I wanted to do more of it. I wanted to continue my research. I wanted to look into black models and consumer behavior with marketing. And I found, I found the psychology of a fashion professionals course, but I was, I was so freaked out. I was so, I was like, Oh, this is the first time. It's not really a thing. I don't know. And I remember my supervisor, Adrian Burnham, I have to give props to him. He was just like, you don't want to do the same shit everyone else is doing. So just do it. <laughs> and, like, and this is like some established, 
established white man who's done so many papers, who's done like he's very, very established in the psycho- psychological scene. So I was like, okay, like I just, I just needed that extra push, and and I did it, and I'm so grateful that I did that that master's degree because it just taught me a lot and it allowed me to continue my research and it opened me up to so much more research in this space. That's amazing. Are you considering a PhD? I have always been thinking about that. And one of my old supervisors, she every year she sends me she sends me application forms and she's begging me to do it. It's just hard to manage. Like my life is very full. Like I'm continuously trying to get into this media space, but then I have my own online courses that I'm running. Mm. And a lot of people don't know this, but I have my niece and nephew that I'm raising as well. So there's a oh, lot yeah. of like family things. Yeah. So my sister sadly passed away. But almost six years ago now oh, so sorry. I became a mom tea yeah. I was like more than a mom less than an auntie so um it's it's been a very like massive period of transition for me even though it's been like six years I'm still finding my feet but mm. I definitely would not take PhD off the cards um I just still um it's so funny because a lot of people think oh you've blown you've made it they see me on this morning and the rain mm. but I am very much still at the start of my journey and mm. I have big dreams big aspirations um so I definitely think it's on the cards but I'm still getting there no, I love that it's still on the cards even though you've got this whole full life of all of these things that you're doing because when I saw that you're a mumty it like melted my heart because it's just so beautiful and I can't imagine you know the level of responsibility but also um it fills my heart with joy the um expanse of love to just be like I've got this like we've got this like it's all good um it's 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 amazing you're amazing thank you so much yeah it's never it really wasn't something I envisioned I wanted to be that bougie auntie that you know was flying away (laughs) bringing back the suitcase giving them like um sweets and spoiling them and now I'm like it's time for bed like I'm like who am I what is this but they are so happy and they make me laugh and they look just like my sister and it just gives me that bit of comfort there so um so yeah we move we move like that's it we move um in the book one of the things that you mentioned that was really really um I love that you call it therapy um, because it is. Um, one thing that I've started, I started doing a little while ago, and I'm glad it's in here. It's about um, dopamine dressing. Um, it says here when people think of therapy, dopamine uh, dopamine dressing is often the first thing that comes to mind because it provides psychological grounding to the look good, feel good concept. Dopamine dressing is the act of wearing something that you associate with happiness, allowing you to subsequently embody that positive emotion. Um, the happiness you feel from dopamine dressing stems from the chemical dopamine, which um, mediates pleasure in the brain. Um, I love, could you talk to us a bit more about that? Because I feel like yeah. I've had to do more dopamine dressing, the the more chaotic the world has gotten. And yeah. I noticed that I, I was saying this on the show before, um, on the podcast, I was saying that the more that I go on the news to talk about very, very tough subjects, I wear bright, pretty, as I would say, clothing because people already hearing my voice, seeing my complexion, all of these things, hearing the subject matter and they're getting ready to switch off. So while I'm dressing for me, I feel like in certain regards, I'm also dressing for the viewers because I... I know already that they want to switch off and she's the racism. Oh, bloody hell. You know? So I put more of um, kind of, I put more onus on dressing cutely is yeah, there yeah. it's that part of it 
Yeah, of course, that's part of it. And I'm glad you've acknowledged that because I think a lot of people think about dopamine dressing and dressing yourself happy and they think, oh, dressing like a Barbie doll or wearing like super bright colours, but that's just very much one part of it. Mm. Like you said, it's almost like the understanding that clothes can be your armour and your protector. And they are a very underutilised tool for mental health and well-being. There's a ton of surveys and research that talks about people experiencing a shift of mood after wearing something. It could be your favourite, outfit it could be something that reminds you of a fun time there's even research that talks about when we are in sad places in our in our lives or when we're in low moods wearing soft fabrics actually is quite soothing and it's something that we enjoy but when we're happier then we're more drawn to like these visually appealing outfits so maybe things with colors bright colors and patterns and I love clothes in that respect and I think that is a part of dopamine dressing allowing your clothes to match your mood Mm. or allowing your clothes to help you move out of your mood and it's all just about understanding what your clothes mean to you and what an outfit does for you like you said your bright outfits your cute baby girl outfits (laughs) give you that level of confidence they give you a level of power they you're using that to um help protect you from any negative assumptions you might think other people might have on you again that's you getting power from your clothes and I think it's a, a major source of control yes. like you said I think in today's like age we, we feel like we have a lot of loss of control we're seeing mm-hmm. things happen in the media in the news um we're seeing um in issues with the economy we're seeing war we're seeing um issues with the climate and it can make us feel like we're out of control but one thing I always say you can control is how you step into the world and how you Um, how you choose to appear that day Mm -hmm. and we have the power to shift that that's why I hate the idea of having a signature style I think it puts us in a box Mm -hmm. and it doesn't allow us to express the multitude of different ways that we can express ourselves and the different parts of our identity or even the shifting um, elements of our identity sometimes I feel a bit tough and angry and maybe more masculine sometimes I feel more feminine and soft and my clothes allow me to do that they give me that sense Mm. of control and power and of course having that sense of control makes me confident makes me comfortable and makes me happy so that's dopamine dressing yeah I love that thank you for sharing that because I think that that is super um it's just one of the tools that we can kind of have at this time when everything feels out of control one of my favorite people um to see them dress is um, my friend. I call her my sister because she is, you know, I feel like we choose our families as well. Um, My friend Hodan, um, uh, who wears a hijab, you know, and sis, my good sis slays, slays. (laughs) (laughs) And I just think, I find it so fascinating and beautiful because I think that um, in the Western consciousness or unconsciousness, there's this idea that like modest wear, as it were, um, yes. is boring or like you can't do much. Nah, like I'm the like the Muslim baby girls are killing it, like yes. killing it. <laughs> they are, they are, and I love the way they're so expressive with their makeup and beauty, Ooh. and that's something I talk about in in the book as well. Like, your makeup can be like quite powerful, and it's it's. At the very like least, it is an expression of creativity. Yes. And there's so much studies that talk about the benefits of creativity on our mental well-being. Mm-hmm. Getting into that flow state, picking up your makeup brush, which is almost like, it's a, it's a tool of art. It's like helps you create the artwork that is your face. And again, yeah. giving you that control, helping you to switch off from the outside world. You have control on the outcome, you have control on the tools that you use, the techniques, the products. And that just, that helps us to 
embolden our self-concept, our sense yeah. of self, our who we are. And it's such a powerful thing. And I always say that your makeup, your accessories, your your clothes, it's a cool and they're a powerful tool to show people who you are. First impressions mm. take place in 0.10 seconds. Wow. So that's not enough time for you to like talk about your deeper innermost feelings and like your goals and hopes and dreams. So no, you use your outfit to get that impression like off, off the bat. And again, you can control that. You can choose how you wish people to perceive you at any moment. Um, and that's why I love like that those expressive clothes on my podcast this um, later season I had a jewelry designer her name's um, Corinne Rhymes mm. and she has a collection her jewelry is amazing they're like big bows massive boomerangs um, and it's called collection by Rin please check it out and she says that her jewelry has even been a tool for networking like sometimes mm. people have come up to her and they she's, she's very shy introverted sometimes like mm. I can be um but people come up to her and they compliment her jewelry and then it sparks conversations next thing you know someone's recommending her for this project someone's buying a piece and I just love that like clothes can really like they're a conversation starter and they bring people to you they connect they start conversations and it's just so powerful and we, for too long I think we've been underestimating their power and I think mm. that's what leads us to things like having a ward full of things we don't like and overspending over consuming buying 12 p tops from prelo thing like all these things are happening because we don't understand the true value that clothes accessories beauty can bring us yeah no thank you because i was thinking that i said that recently to my brother something along those lines i said to him i'm buying a new um, set of clothes for the gym i no longer want to wear the tight leggings and the crop tops because if I'm perfectly honest I feel shit when I wear them mm. I hate them yeah. I don't yeah, think yeah, yeah. that it's com- it doesn't complement my 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 physique I'm not curvy in that way I'm pr- rather like straight in terms of yes. my um kind of body shape and yeah. wearing these things that you see other people wearing where their bums out like their waists yeah, yeah. are tiny um yeah. all of that stuff it doesn't it, it just doesn't look right and I'd like things to feel soft on me and the general exercises that I do at the gym I don't need to be wearing tight up tight up things um yeah. me when I'm out on road and I'm running I prefer to wear shorts but obviously when it's freezing then I wear a leg uh, you know a pair of leggings and a, you know a long top or whatever but generally if I'm running I prefer to have my legs out but mm-hmm. if I'm at the gym I don't um I prefer so I was saying basically I'm gonna invest in getting like soft joggers yes and then um a loose tank top mm-hmm. and then I'll just wear my sports bra underneath and by yeah. making that decision I just felt so much better because I was just like I don't have to play along I just don't, I feel like I look ridiculous in the tight mm. leggings and stuff Mm, I think that's so interesting because someone could look at your body collection. I think we've all seen your body. It's, it's absolutely like, wow. And some people think, yeah, she, why is she not? If I was had that body, I'd be naked. I'd be like wearing this. Like, and a lot of people think that, but they don't understand that you can't just like look at um, like these models and like how clothes are um, shown to us and think that that's going to be right for you. Mm. It's a very personal experience, like you said, and we don't just need to think about the look. We need to think about the how we feel, tap into those emotions, tap into the senses and how things um, like the tactile stimulation of these mm. clothes and understand that you need to tap into how you actually feel. I think sometimes people look in the mirror or they'll buy something that's trending and they think, yeah, 
that's that's fine. But they're not actually realizing I don't actually like this. Yes. This is not screaming like for me. Mm. And this is making me feel a certain way. And then they end up just, yeah, buying more because, yeah, it looks, makes me look nice. My body looks good, whatever. And then they keep buying it, buying it. And then it's not really connecting. Mm -hmm. And when we have these feelings of not like feeling our true selves or not really feeling right, it impacts the way we behave and the way we act. We're not going to go as hard in the gym. We're not going to be as confident at work. We're not going to be as vibrant out with our friends because we are not showcasing ourselves in the most authentic way that's Mm. why it's so important I say when you get dressed every day it shouldn't be something that you do on autopilot it shouldn't be like brushing your teeth or like brushing your hair it should be something that is very considered sit with yourself look in the mirror ask yourself is this okay do I like this find the time build that in Mm. and I've done that a lot and I always find that I'll add something on or maybe I'll take something off and I wait until I'm fully happy and Mm. then that gives me that extra layer of confidence that I need to battle these demons out in this world and like (laughs) give me that strength and you can do it too that's why I say everyone has the power to do that and we're lucky in this country we don't have so much constraints on how we can dress Mm. some people in other cultures don't have that and that's something that's very much a privilege but I also say we need to be understand that we are bounded by certain things like patriarchal systems that say oh women shouldn't wear this or men Mm. can't wear those colors or whatever and then maybe systems that are quite ageist to saying, oh when you're just when you're this age you need to stop dressing like this so I understand that there are all those limitations and pressures so you have to dress within things that you're comfortable in but try to be as expressive and be as confident in your choices as possible yeah, I think the more fun, um, I think it was since really even following you, the more fun I'm having with clothes, just like this is what I want to wear today, then it, it works. And and I feel like this little kind of cute, quirky style just kind of comes out because you never know what to expect. Like one day I might just show up in a black mini dress with ruffles, but that was the assignment. And one I've got it pinned on my page because my favorite dress that I wore was when I went to the Note premiere. It was um, the yellow Victor... What is it? Um, what's his name? It's gone out of my head. Um, 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 Peter Dundas dress where it's like slit up at the side. And I remember I was going to that premiere. I just started moving through um, my separation or getting, you know, uh, with my um, partner at the time. I'm moving through that and I got invited to like this Leicester Square premiere. And um, I said to my brother, Sadiq, yeah, you know, I just think I'm going to wear a gown. Just keep it cute. And he was like, don't you fucking dare. Don't you dare. I want to see legs out. I want to see legs out. You go find a dress. (laughs) He was so aggressive with it. but And I was like, he was like, this is a big deal. You get out there. (laughs) And I remember seeing the dress on Sierra. And I feel like Sierra has similar things in her physique that, that, that translates to me. So, Um, I was like, I'm just going to buy the dress. I don't care. I'm going to buy the dress. And I felt phenomenal. Like I, it was that, like everything about it was so perfect. Can't tell you what the film was about. No, I can't tell you what Jordan Peele did in that film, but I can tell you that the outfit was flaming. Yeah, it's just so it's it's I love that when clothes can just like help you to come out of like certain like bad spaces and I love that clothes they can almost be used as a memory box, right? So yes. that dress now it's it's like 
those memories of you feeling confident and feeling happy and stepping out, especially stepping out of a difficult time, those memories are now weaved into the fabric of that dress. Every yeah. time you wear that dress now, you're going to embody those happy moods and happy memories. That's why I say when you're doing your clear out of your wardrobes, it shouldn't be, oh, this is not in season anymore or, oh, I haven't worn that in a while. It should be, this reminds me of a bad time in my life or this reminds me of a good time in my life. Like, mm. how can I embody all of those great feelings and how can I let go of the person I no longer am that Mm. should be something that you're definitely considering when you're going through that clear out because I realized I was holding on to things that reminded me of a place where at a time in my life where I was maybe not confident in myself Mm. or not living in my true self or around people that didn't really reflect the best in me and once I stopped wearing those things I realized that yeah I'm actually in a new chapter that's why Mm. I always say when you're buying something you think of your future your best self the Mm. the best version of who you want to be the the in the job you want in the life you want in the location you want and if that outfit doesn't fit into that vision mm. then don't wear it don't get it because you don't need anything that's gonna like hold, hold you, back you back or keep you into a negative place and clothes are so powerful and they they can do that they can even shift your perspective yeah wow look at look at that so first <laughs> things first everybody go if you haven't got it already Shakayla Forbes Bell, get big dress energy. I'm just showing you on the screen for those who are watching on YouTube. And also Big Dress Energy, the podcast, one of the best kept secrets in the UK. <laughs> go, go, go and get involved. Go and get involved with listening because these conversations are fascinating, especially like with the jewelry designer Rin that you mentioned. Like, I love learning about things like this and the intricacies and the nuances that we don't cog like it's not cognizant, like we're not cognizant of it or um, that we're doing it in the real time. But then there are so many things that are happening, um, yeah. you know, subconsciously. So thank you for enlightening us. And I, and again, you know, I'm going to holler when my new show starts um, next year. I'd love for you to come so we could talk about this some more and talk about the journey of being a mumpty because it's a, it'll be a quieter, gentler, beautiful space, private space for us to discuss and it'll just be with the members of my site. So I'd love... For us to share that space together. Oh my God, I would love that. Thank you so much, Ketchy. I'm Thank so honoured to be on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Ooh, well, I hope you enjoyed that um, chat with myself and Shakela. There I was like, yeah, you know, mm, I want to start producing podcasts and you should make one about clothes. And she's like, girl, I've got one. But girl, why can't I find it anywhere? Like we need to make this more obvious. But since we had the chat, because we had made, you know, had this chat quite a while ago, um, I'm only just uh, releasing it now. I had, in all fairness, I do see more things being posted by Shakela about her podcast. Okay, so you know, do support the thing. Okay, um, but yeah, um, uh, that was super fantastic. Really, really great to chat with Shakela. Um, for so you mad, I just wanted to keep it nice and brief. It says here the Princess of Wales is recovering in hospital after undergoing surgery, and King Charles III is set to undergo a medical procedure next week or next week. Catherine will step back from royal duties for months after surgery for an unspecified but non-cancer-related abdominal condition. The king's benign prostate condition will be treated next week. That's the week that we're in. The unexpected health announcements were made within two hours of each other on Wednesday afternoon. Details about the health of senior royals are usually a closely guarded secret and only announced to the public in limited circumstances. So the decision to release two significant updates in one day was striking. At about 1,400, um, well, 
2 p.m., Kensington Palace disclosed the princess was admitted to private hospital in central London on Tuesday for a procedure and is recovering there. It is understood the princess is doing well, but is expected to spend up to two weeks in hospital and be out of the public eye until after Easter as she continues a month-long recovery. It is clear from the length of time she needs to recuperate and the tone of the statement from the palace that her condition is serious, though it was stressed the procedure had been planned and successful. The palace called for the princess's medical privacy to be respected, adding she hopes that the public will understand her desire to maintain as much normality for her children as possible. The Prince of Wales will also step back from royal duties in coming weeks to be with his wife and um, Prince George 10, Prince Charlotte, Princess Charlotte 8 and Prince Louis 5. Less than 90 minutes later, a separate statement was published by Buckingham Palace revealing that the king requires a corrective procedure next week for an enlarged prostate. The condition is common in older men and is not cancerous. The king turned 75 in November. It is not known what procedure the king requires, but the palace said his engagements will be postponed for a short period um, of recuperation. His treatment is not a sufficient disruption to um, trigger any of the constitutional mechanisms for when the head of state is seriously ill. In such circumstances, councillors of state can act as stand-ins for the monarch and carry out duties such as signing official documents, but Buckingham Palace has said that will not be necessary. The king is staying at his private home near Balmoral with the queen, um, well, the side chicken residence, and royal sources said he was in good form and in good spirits. The timing of the announcement about King so soon about the king so soon after the news about the princess is thought to have been unavoidable due to the monarch's scheduled engagement on Thursday and Friday. He had been due to meet with foreign dignitaries and cabinet members in Scotland, so the news had to be made public as those meetings were cancelled on doctor's advice. Medical issues for the royals have been kept very private in the past and the announcements about the King and Princess of Wales um, might seem to show a greater degree of openness. It is understood the King wants his own experience of getting prostate treatment to help raise awareness and to encourage others to have checks. For the Princess, although there are no explicit details about the surgery, there is much more information from the palace than in previous years with a reassurance her illness is not cancer-related that it was not an emergency operation and a clear sense of how long the recuperation will take. But much of the, of this frankness might also have seen and might also have been necessary to get ahead of the news narrative as questions would inevitably have risen um, if the king and the princess began to cancel planned events. There had been talk of overseas trips for Kate and William in the spring and there would have been pressure to confirm this. Now the health issues have been revealed, the royals will hope for some understanding about why the king and prince and princess of Wales are temporarily not carrying out public duties. Cut their money. Cut the show. Cut the show. Cut the money immediately. I don't give a damn. I don't give an eck. I'm so sorry. People are going through things. Charles and your enlarged prostate. You're telling us that why? Uh, Kate. And whatever abdominal surgery that you've gone to do, people are speculating. I don't want to speculate too much because I don't. I like to just mind my business and not focus on other people's uteri. But people are saying that she, um, you know, would have had a hysterectomy. I don't know. I don't. I don't know about all of them things there. But whatever it is, she's out for months. Okay, okay. 
If the monarchy is falling apart at the seams, is this not a great time to lock the whole thing off so everybody can go and rest? I think so. I don't know which pile, pile one, pile two, pile three would go for them, but I want to say it's pile one, the great crumble. The great crumble, I think, is very, very applicable to the monarchy right now. Pack it up. Pack it up so you can all go and actually live real lives and stop wearing your fucking masks. You're only telling us that for a reason. You're trying to um, get sympathy. Didn't the um, favor drop? Didn't they drop in the polls in terms of likability recently and continue to drop further? So now you want to share with us your, your, about your bongo, bongo, bongo prostate. I don't want to hear about your umbongo prostate. And also, please, men or people with prostate, go and get it checked. Especially black people with prostates Who are over the age of, I don't know, 40 something Go and get your prostates checked Instead of chasing gal that are younger than you Go and get your prostates checked go, And Instead of buying podcast microphones Go and get your prostates checked Yeah? Do that Because these are serious things out here And for some reason Those of you who um, should be taking better, of, better, uh, better care of yourself But are so deeply embedded Into this idea of patriarchy You don't go and get things checked Until it's until sometimes it feels like it's too late May it never be too late in your in you, As it concerns you As it concerns you Go and get your things checked out Yeah Look after yourselves Look after yourselves Okay um, But Charles If you're Prostate is enlarged and so is your bank account from all of the money, from all of the pillaging that has been done in the name of the monarchy. I, I suggest we alleviate both. So as you're getting treatment for that enlarged prostate, also alleviate the enlargement of your bank account and pay reparations. That's what I want. All right. Kate, girl, you can't be continuing to stress out, stress out over a man because I don't even know if you've got Scorpio placements. I don't remember checking. But when... People with Scorpio placements, I could be speaking out of turn, I don't know what your placements are. You usually get stressed out, you'll feel it in the bowels, you'll feel it in the tummy area. Yeah, you'll start having every which way complication. Just let that prince of pegging go and get pegged in peace. Okay? Please. Please. Um, so that's that. And I've got a letter, I believe, to finish off for straw of the week, aka suck your mum. It says here. Dear Kelechi, first, I'd like to say thank you and thank you again for you, for all that you do um, from the podcast to the live shows, to the books, the acting, the pole dancing, the just everything. Thank you for being so awesomely yourself, a resplendent baby girl in this baby, um, in this bad wide world. Thank you. Thank you for all of the effort that you go to. May you be blessed in perpetuity for this. May you be blessed in perpetuity for this and those who support you throughout everything. What you share publicly and what you don't. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to the members area on your website. I'd like to fling a straw, if I may, at the NHS and the Met Police. Police in general, in their words, the Met plus forces across the country are introducing right person, right care, which is an operational model developed by Humberside Police that changes the way the emergency services respond to calls involving concerns about mental health. It is in the process of being rolled out across the UK as part of the ongoing work between police forces, health providers and government, which are three arms of the whatever um, world that I don't think or society that I don't think should be interlinked. That's my personal opinion, as in Kelechi's opinion. 
It is aimed at making sure the right agency deals with health-related calls instead of the police being the default first responder, as is currently the case in most areas. It has been shown to improve outcomes, reduce demand on all services, and make sure the right care is being delivered by the right person. It does not stop the police continuing to perform their key role of keeping people safe, and where there is real and immediate risk to life or serious harm, whether that be a person seeking to harm themselves or to harm others, officers will respond swiftly as they currently do. Commissioner Sir Mark Rowley confirmed that the Met will begin to introduce RCRP from November 2023. Great sounding PR attempt, but nothing else, because in December 2023, the National Psychosis Unit, NPU, at the Royal Bethlehem Hospital lost my sibling, who is currently there under section, who was then missing for a period of about 25 days during this winter. They were allowed to go out on escorted leave, as is their right, even though staff said they knew my sibling was going to take off because my sibling is supposed to have right to leave. Um, Instead of solving the longer term care issues, which need to be addressed, including that my sibling has now been on psychiatric wards for years on end and keeps being moved around and having their medication experimented upon, like this is somehow going to fix the learned um, institutionalized behaviors which need to be addressed. And so does a permanent place to reside after this was taken away previously. Despite calls from myself and my sibling to put in place the next step in their care, it's been short term measure after short term measure and this resulted in what happened last month. My sibling is understandably absolutely fed up of being made to live like this by the NHS and as a family everything we've done to change this has come to um, naught this and thus far. The big issue here and why also straw for the NHS is that the NPU of all places did not know that the police weren't getting involved in cases like this to the same extent as they had done before the November deadline. Therefore, where it seems they were relying on having that backup if needed, they didn't have it. So early on in my sibling being missing, they weren't looked for nor picked up when they could have been because of this operational model, which as far as I'm concerned, or as far as I'm aware um, and have been able to research, has been brought into being with an abrupt cutoff, but no collaborative effort to ensure the safety of those who are vulnerable persons in the interim or in moving forward. Cue from here on in, throughout the entire time my sibling was missing, very lacking communication from the unit and the Met Police, who were more hindrance than help and had me stressed beyond belief as I was already dealing with my mum, who was in hospital still, following her um, having had a stroke. My apologies. Myself and other family members gave locations twice where my sibling was seen and would be so that the ambulance, police, hospital staff could go and tend tend to them. But these opportunities were missed and my family was blamed for not having kept them where they could have been easily picked up. And to this, um, and to add to that, my sibling has diabetes, um, which at first was treated as a non-issue. It wasn't taken seriously in the instance that they eventually became a missing person. With the police saying, um, no, we ha- um, we've had a policy change. And at one point, family members trying to keep my extremely agitated sibling at a location for over an hour, waiting for an ambulance they had been told would attend, only for the ambulance to not turn up and my sibling to take off again. This ended at one point with the staff on the unit telling me that they weren't going to go and look for my sibling unless they had a location. But where were they going to get the location from? 
they were going to sit back and do nothing. And so were the police. In situations like this, would it be better if the police didn't have to attend? Sure, but sometimes they are needed. And the hands-off approach here meant that my siblings' return to the ward was prolonged and delayed for no reason. And as a result, their their health worsened. None of this changed until I contacted and shout out to my MP. I sent them a lengthy email with all the dates, times and content of conversations I've had um, with the staff at both institutions. The MP responded quickly and managed to get everyone moving. After that, watch everyone come running to my phone to attempt to give assurance and to try and explain, which is how I found out that this right person, right care had been a factor in the confusion and the mayhem. Um, that had my sibling in dire dire straits for weeks. I don't think it's um, it's been sexy enough for this for its shirt. Um, I don't think it's been sexy enough for its shirt for it to be making the news much because it was news to me that how the police and the NHS behaved until I contacted the MP was apparently part of this model. So I wanted to fling this straw because this. Uh, because of this, and also to give a heads up to anyone else who may be in the situation of caring for, loving, and sharing fate with a vulnerable person who could end up in this state. That likely your voice alone isn't going to be enough. And as much as I might pray for this to not happen to somebody else's sibling, somebody else's child, somebody else's someone, it's happened and this concerns me. Um, I don't know what needs to be sorted here, but I see all the time the police setting up shop outside stations and in town centres at night to deal with drunk people. If this can be done, why can't they and the NHS work properly together to support people who can end up in a situation like my sibling did instead of prolonging it by having what seems like a spat over who's responsible, who will attend? My sibling's case in this instance was simple. And what also frustrates me is that no one who is on a psychiatric ward put their hands up on careers day at school and said that they wanted to be, um, they wanted that to be their outcome, that that's what they were aspiring, um, aspiring to. So why are they being treated so very badly by the very places that are supposed to be supporting them? The bit that irked me in particular is that once the MP started letting it be known that I wasn't to be played with, both institutions and um, in an effort to PR and pull up, started uh, talking enthusiastically about this being a good learning experience for them. Meanwhile, my siblings still hadn't been found and therefore it wasn't time to learn. They should have already done graduated and been applying wisdom in the first place. But the NPU started talking about running the whole thing through their complaints procedure, which I didn't have time for. It's a sick little get out. And I feel like it's done a lot to black people. Let's learn when really they should have instead of um, they should instead of institutional navel gazing be solving. I also had the missing persons unit who felt it necessary to tell me that the deal with seven that they deal with 7000 cases a year. OK, so was it a cue? It just, um, I just needed my sibling found and their long-term care needs addressed, which um, should have been done in the first place. To top all of this off, my mother, who was at one point um, on the hyperacute stroke unit at St. George's Hospital, has been moved from one ward to another at night with no family with her, no explanation, seven days after being admitted there. 
I was phoned and told that um, about it after it had happened. Getting what I thought was the phone call at past 11 o'clock at night that had me panicking to breathe and half um, into my clothes as soon as they said it was the hospital. A day later, she was moved again back to hyperacute unit, but it wasn't. Con- but I wasn't contacted. So I walked into where I thought she was, went around the curtain and she wasn't there. Someone else was. It has given her a trauma that impacted the rest of her rehabilitation while she was in hospital. She was still fragile after the stroke had and had been recovering, but this really set her back. And we're still dealing with the aftermath or um, now that she's come home. The only explanation I was given was that it was to do with bed management and making space. But this wasn't explained properly to my mum and Um, Did it really have to happen at gone 11 p.m. at night when visiting time is over? Because questions would have been asked, which ultimately scared, confused and disoriented my mum who's recovering from a stroke. Given that it happened on the seventh day, she was on the ward and she was moved back after 24 hours. It feels like it was more about them reaching slash not reaching some target. And my mum's and my mother's recovery got caught up in a mix of that, which then resulted in her being unable to trust that she would be in the same bed in the morning. So wanting to stay up at night and keep an eye on the staff in case they moved her again. And subsequently, in case they moved other patients that way, in whatever um, way this made sense to her stroke in recovery brain. This wasn't appreciated by the staff, but instead of acknowledging that the move impacted her, the ward staff kept running at me like, is she like this at home? No, she's not. But they really tried to make her into this crazy lady for something they themselves initiated. And I um, had to keep defending her against it. This was also the ward that uh, where one dire day, the black women were all being ignored. And I watched the staff twirl and run around after three white patients in the room, including one person who just wanted a lot of attention, who kept asking questions that they themselves said out loud. I already know that to the answers whilst the black women went without care. I spent the whole day having to call and call numerous times um, staff to see my mum and the black woman in the bed opposite her because their calls were also going ignored whilst the white, whilst the white family for um, another patient um, in the corner started calling for staff for the um, other black woman opposite their bed to help out. I don't want to think about what could have gone wrong if we hadn't all been there that day. But also running running through my head was every time you had to read out the maternity stats around race and me realizing it just doesn't let up. Nowhere are you safe to receive care whilst being a black woman. And in this situation with my mum, if um, you don't have others to prod the staff into showing up for you, um, for them to get annoyed and for you um, and at you for visiting this person rather than the patient. So the patient gets the care that they need. So both of these situations have been awful to deal with. Yes, my sibling is found, but we still need to sort longer term solutions. I've been told that my um, that I must advocate for them to be put in supported housing. All right, cool. I say I will attend the Zoom meetings for the ward uh, round because my mother cannot let her um, um, cannot be left on her own um, right now for me to go to see the consultants there face to face. But would the ward send through the link? As they said they would, no, they would not. No email, no nothing. And now with my mother home, we're still clearing through what happened to her in those hours when she was moved around as it comes up bit by bit as she tries to recover from the stroke. 
but also the trauma of how things appeared to her when she was already stressed about being in hospital and then being moved around like that and having it made out to be nothing when it was very, very something. So straw for the NHS and the police for their avoidable part in these troubles. They would have just shown up well, but chose not to. They could have just just shown up well, but chose not to. May no one else go through this. I thank you for reading through this, Kelechi. I have wanted to send this in because I didn't want it to... um, I've wanted to not send this in because I didn't want it to be a burden. But every evening I think about what happened to my sibling happening to someone else. I was woken up a, a couple of hours ago. Go write the email. So by the most high, I am doing so. I pray this makes sense. I also wanted to say thank you for speaking about your ayahuasca journey as you have. It reminded me last year to keep a promise to myself. So I did and went to Peru last spring as I felt called to. I didn't have the best experience where I was staying. The facilitation was lacking. I definitely looked after myself as best as I could um, down there though. Me and my process were cool, but I just knew I was supposed to have gone when I did, which made sense when my mum had her stroke and everything kicked off in autumn, leading down to here, as I would not have been able to make it through if I had my if I hadn't had my jungle experience and plant medicine conversations first. I looked after my dad before he passed 14 years ago now. So doing the ambulance ride with a parent and then the hospital run again was triggering. But I could really feel how the plant medicine nation helped me through all of that um, and cleared all kinds of things around that situation so I could be there for my um, be here um, in this one and do what I can do for my family. Apply wisdom. Thank you also for being such a resplendent and consistent force of awesomeness because on the first night my mum was in hospital I was arranging to leave and telling her to sleep well and to remember to wake up well in the morning and just as I went to leave out of spirit I said to her and I'll catch you on the flip side and she said okay understood immediately I was saying that I'd be there in the morning and so I would say it every time I left but I know it only came from hearing you on the podcast so thank you Love and all the best love, light, vibes and pleasure to you in your in your every endeavour. Thank you. Um, thank you. I appreciate you, baby girl. Thank you for sending that in. I'm so, so sorry that you've had to deal with that and your family's had to be, um, you know, navigate such um, incompetence, incompetence, incompetence and apathy from these institutions. Um, I pray for the protection of your sibling um, and I pray for your mum as well and her healing. And I pray for you having to be that, you know, person that's holding everything together, especially feeling triggered at previous experiences of a parent passing on. I'm sending you all of the love. And I also join you in sending that straw to the NHS as well as the Met Police, just being choosing to be raggedy, raggedy institutions when they could do so much better. Um, I mean, I don't know about the police doing much better, but you get what I mean. Um, and big up your MP for doing what MPs are meant to do, unlike pussyclats like Quasi Quateng. But um, I'm sending you all of the love and thank you for um, sharing that with us. Um, and your ayahuasca journey, I'm sorry that it wasn't what you wanted it to be. Um, should you ever decide to do it again? Um, when I set up my retreat, I'd love for you to join us. Um, definitely love for you to join in on that so you can have the care um, that you need. Because um, I, I definitely will do ayahuasca. I will take um, do uh, take part in an ayahuasca ceremony again. 
um, I just need to kind of like space it out. But yeah, I'm sending you so, so much love. And thank you all so much for listening. It's been an episode, right? It's been an episode. And um, yeah, thank you, Hannah, for sending the song in. I appreciate you. Thank you to Shakela for being um, a part of all of this. And thank you to the person that wrote it in here. Really, really appreciate it. And big up Kevin Morosky for Black Women Always. Remember to get your copy pre-ordered. It comes out on March the 14th. So get that ordered. And I guess, yeah, that's it. We've got one more episode to go, right? Um, like I said, remember to get your the last um, of the live show tickets that are available. You can get streaming tickets as well if you're going to stream and watch online. You can get that from the website, kalechiokafor.com forward slash shop. Um, and I've got your one question tarot readings to still send out, as well as those of you who um, bought annual memberships when you were on Straw Society. I'll be sending out your readings um, this week as well. But yeah, I guess that's everything. Oh, and of course, um, Strong Like Me comes out February 1st. So I hope that you've pre-ordered Strong Like Me, my first picture book as well. Um, and that will be delivered to you if you've already pre-ordered. It'll be delivered to you on publication date. 3rd of February, I will be in, um, I'll be at the, uh, what is it? Um, 3rd of February, let me get get it up. Storytelling with the, with the kids then. So I think I, t- I mentioned this before, but in case you're planning to bring your child through, um, please do. So they can hear me read um, the stories out loud. So that will be stepping into stories on the 3rd of February. So do come through if you can. It's at Station Hall and that's in Hearn Hill. And that's Saturday, 3rd of Fe- February at 2 p.m. So you can get your tickets online for stepping into stories kids literature festival so i'll be there on the third of feb Whew, that's it i've been kalechi okafo and this has been sym officially known as say your mind unofficially known as what what that's right suck your mum. so baby people do take care of yourselves and i shall and i pray to catch you on the flip side peace it's the Ben's Punani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this so Sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are go sipping yo Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know Collect you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind